When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? He's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! Breaking international news here. Newly released video showing what appears to be a Russian military plane engaging in what the American military says is unsafe and unprofessional behavior today over Syria. Three Russian fighter jets harassing a group of American drones. U.S. officials tell NBC News the jets got way too close, dropping flares. One Russian pilot even used what's called an afterburner, positioning it right up against one of those drones, making it harder for the drone operator to actually safely control it. The Biden administration has decided to supply Ukraine with cluster bombs as part of a new weapons package that's set to be announced. Cluster bombs, which were also used in Syria's civil war, release large numbers of smaller explosives that can kill and maim indiscriminately over a wide area. More than 120 countries have banned the weapons. The migrant crisis in New York City intensifies as Mayor Adams looks to house asylum seekers inside public schools. He's eyeing the empty schools over the summer in the city's latest attempt to find housing for migrants. The plan is facing a firestorm of criticism. Staten Island Borough President Vito Pasillo Jr. says the root of the problem lies within Washington. And when does it end? 500,000? 300,000? A million? I don't think that it's right that a school uh, that accommodates kids, I don't think that's the, the right approach. He drives this one toward the left field corner. That ball is out of here. A line drive home run for Pete Alonso. Lindor with a triple. Alonso with a two-run homer, and it's 2-0 New York. And the breaking ball drilled to left field. Forget that. Alvarez again. It's a two-run shot, and it's 7-0 New York. Thinking right side this time, but he drills this one too deep for a triple. That's going to sail out of here. Francisco Lindor is four for four. That's his 18th home run of the year. Double for the cycle. Nine to nothing, New York. Star baby, Ringo Starr's birthday today. Beatles fans out there at 6.06 on your Friday morning, Ringo Starr's birthday today. How old is 
Ringo star today, Lewis. I love this song, photographed by Ringo. How old is Ringo today? I love, I love Ringo. 83. 83? Most of the folks that we celebrate birthdays on this show are like 73 to 78. 83. <laughs> How old is McCartney? I think he's younger. Why do I want to say he's younger? Let's see. He may be 81 now that I think about it, uh, Paul McCartney. He's, what? You just looked it up. No, I, I got nothing in front of me here. Nothing. 81. 81, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, but I was right. So Ringo, uh, is he the oldest? Of course, Lennon and Harrison are both dead, but I th- Ringo, the oldest of the four? I think 1940 is when actually just about all of them were born. Well, that well, would make except- them 83. I know. Except That's for why. McCartney. That's, no. well, let me see. Old John is... John, John, John was born in 1940. 1940. So Lennon would have been 83. Right. And uh, Harrison, I'm sure, the same. Yeah. Because I, I always remember seeing, let's see, George. Well, that's not how you spell George. This is great so far. Huh? <laughs> uh, he was born in 43. Oh, so he's 80. So All right. So Ringo and Lennon are the oldest, then McCartney, and then... Harrison, Harrison is the youngest. Right, okay. right. And Harrison, the youngest, the only one of the four who died so far of disease. Lennon murdered, and the other two still alive. So the baby of the four, and believe he was the second one to die, of course. Lennon died first. 1980, December 7th, Monday Night Football, Patriots-Dolphins. Howard Cosell broke the news to the world. Tragedy at Dakota. <laughs> he just loved dead saying this. on arrival. <laughs> when he said that, dead on arrival. As only Howard can say it, it was like, oh my God, John Lennon's dead? What? Yeah, you know. of course, it was in the same intonation as one of the Reggie Homers, probably, too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's gone! Well, that was uh, 77 when Reggie Jackson hit those three home runs off three different Dodger starters in the World Series, and Lennon was murdered three years after that. Yeah, he was getting ready, I think. Yeah, well, can the you... Yankees actually played in the World Series that year, too. You may remember, Yankees beat the Dodgers in 77. That was the big Reggie Jackson one. That was... The summer of summer of Sam and the blackout and all that. 78, the Yankees got back to the World Series off the Bucky Dent home run. They beat Tommy Lasorda and the Dodgers again. And Bucky won the World Series MVP. And then in the strike-shortened season, two years later, 1980, the Yankees again took on the Dodgers. Third time in like five years. But this time, the Dodgers beat the Yankees. And that was the end of the Reggie Jackson era in the Bronx. What year did you say that was? About 80, 1980. Well, well the the World Series in 80 was Philly and Kansas City. Yeah, so 81 maybe. 80, or, it, was, it was definitely 81. Yeah, I remember it Yankees and uh, Dodgers, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, okay. Yeah, it was uh, oh, Philly and Kansas City, you said? In 1980. Yeah, that was a Tug McGraw team. Pete Rose, they won the World Series. Yes, that was Tug McGraw's, right. Pete uh, George Brett. Schmidt. Yep, Schmidt, Carlton. all those guys, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it feels like yesterday, and it was 40-plus years ago. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us on early 80s history. (laughs) I love this type of stuff. You know, eventually we're going to get to Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Eric Adams and Bill de Blasio and RFK Jr. and all the stuff that people are talking about all day, every day ad nauseum. We're going to get to that. we got a lot of good guests today, great guests. 
Brian Kilmeade, my good buddy at Fox News. Of course, he's on after me, 10 o'clock every weekday morning here on WABC. He's going to join us in about 30 minutes. He's great on this show, great. So Kilmeade at 640. Then, uh, as he does every weekday morning, Curtis Sliwa stopping by at 705. And Curtis had another run-in last night with a very, very popular, famous... I guess some feel attractive, I'm not a big fan, politician here in New York last night. You figure it out. He'll join me at 7.05. I like these clues. You like these? I like when you drop a little yeah. clue, and because I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Male or female? Female. Okay. 7.40, famous defense attorney Arthur Idali. You know, yesterday I was talking to Judge Napolitano, and I basically had the judge admit he made a mistake with Trump. You may remember after the second arraignment, the second arrest, the documents, and uh, this was federal, of course, going back to Merrick Garland, that a lot of folks were like, oh, he's done. He's finished. He's going to jail. He's not going to be able to run. He's going to jail. And Napolitano and Audie Idala pretty much had that same opinion. And I almost had Judge Knapp admit yesterday he was wrong. He did admit he doesn't think he's going to jail. But he's not ready to admit that maybe Donald Trump is the real Teflon Don and not John Gotti. Either way, Idala texted me and said, whoa, slow down, brother. Way too early in this game to say that Trump is out of the woods. I said, no, it's not. Not too early at all. But, hey, if you want to come on tomorrow and defend that position, he said, listen, odds are that me and Apolitano are both not going to be wrong about the same case. And I said, maybe, but in this case, you are. So Arthur Idala will join us coming up at 740. And then the big one. We have been talking about this city council race for a month. And it got very, very ugly when city council candidate in the Bronx, Samantha Zerka, showed up here not once but twice with my friend Stefania, talking about her race against George Habernick, Curtis Lee was a uh, guy, and uh, Mike Rendino, the GOP, uh, GOP chair's sister, Christy Mamamato. Now, as far as I know, Christy won. I know there's still some formalities, some votes, some other stuff, but Christy's about to win, but that's not the story. The story was the ugliness between Samantha Zerka and Mike Rendino, which led to even more ugliness between Curtis Sliwa and Mike Rendino. Well, the Bronx GOP chair reached out to me. He said, quote, I'm sick of the lies. I'm sick of Curtis Sliwa lying. I'm sick of Samantha Zerka lying. I need to set the record straight. And coming up at 810 this morning, he will have that opportunity. GOP chair Mike Rendino. This should be good, Lewis. Curtis was very, very. Samantha Zerka just dropped a bomb on this guy every time she was here. We just have. Put a camera on Curtis and watch him each <laughs> night, wherever he goes. Because it's hard to yep. imagine him getting into a uh, confrontation. Yes, it is hard yeah. to imagine. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, Noam Layden with his nuggets will be here at 825. Another great defense attorney, one of Donald Trump's attorneys, and my dear friend of 46 years, Joseph Tacopina. He'll be here at 840. And then it looks like Staten Island Borough President Vito Fosella will be here in the 9 o'clock hour, and vetoes everywhere, ABC News, New York Post, because, again, the mayor, Eric Adams, as if, mind you, 
calling out a Holocaust survivor, an 86-year-old, nice little old lady Holocaust survivor, as if calling her a plantation owner wasn't embarrassing enough. Still no apology. Now the mayor, there's a news story about how he's been carrying around a photo of a dead cop. And it turns out, not really. Not really. And when you find out what the allegedly, allegedly what he did to the photo to make it look old and make it look authentic, you're really going to be, well, I was going to say surprised, but you're not going to be surprised at all, are you? Are you? You're going to be nauseous. One embarrassing story. And it's funny. I was talking to Danielle last night. I said, listen to this story. She said, I get it. But what about the real issues? I said, well, you tell me. If we're spending too much time on these other stories, because Eric Adams is doing such a great job with crime, the problems in this city, then I guess we'll stop. But the point is, these stories point out a lot of deficiencies in Eric Adams' character, which may, in fact, be part of the reason why, although he talks a very, very, very big game, it's not translating to a better city. So maybe this Jewish lady, maybe this made-up story about a friendship with a dead cop, maybe all these things, maybe, maybe all these things lead to a bigger character issue with the mayor and explains why he loves himself, not based on any real result. Is that fair, Lewis? <laughs> I like, no, your assessment is, uh, it's not translating into anything no. good right no. now. <laughs> so that's the, that's the main issue. I gotta be, I'm with Danielle on that. It's where, what's going on really? Yeah. What's, what what's, what's really going doing? well at this point? We know he's doing all this other r- ridiculous stuff. We know it right. already. Right. Are we gonna have to continue to pivot and shift? What's that? Are we gonna have to continue to pivot and shift? Oh, now I got it. Okay, we'll do that then. Fine. We'll do that. See, the, the good news is is that a lot of folks, for him at least, are out of here. You know, we're, we're middle of the summer now, second week of July. People are out in the Hamptons, like Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian. That did not start at Ruben's party, which I'll talk about with uh, Brian Kilmeade coming up. That didn't start at Ruben's party in the Hamptons. You remember, I introduced this story to you, this possible Brady Kardashian love affair last month when it turned out that Kim Kardashian ended up in the same community, maybe even in the same block as Tom Brady and his vacation house in the Bahamas. So they were together in the Bahamas over a month ago before they were spotted once again canoodling, very good word, in the Hamptons last weekend. So they may be a legitimate item talking about Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian. So, yes, folks, Tom Brady is single, and it looks like so was Bill de Blasio. (laughs) (laughs) Look out, ladies. Look out. (laughs) Tough choice. Very, very tough choice. Brady or de Blasio? (laughs) What do you think, Lou? Yeah, he looks really – I heard he plays football, but look at that one bent over up there. That, he looks really suave. Aye, oh, aye, man. Aye. I can't wait. And you know, Donald Trump has been very, very quiet. A couple uh, last week, actually, Trump had a huge rally with a huge turnout in the great state of South Carolina. I mean, huge. But he's been very quiet. 
you know, the Bidens are still going through it. Jim Comer out there basically every day telling us about the Biden criminal family and all the stuff they've got on them, more to come between Comer, Nancy Mace, and a host of others, led, of course, by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Then you've got this whole, I guess, controversy where Biden is not releasing what's been sealed in the Kennedy murder. And Kennedy's nephew, RFK Jr., who right now is in second to Joe Biden in the Democrat race, and is gaining some steam. You've got folks like Roger Stone, Frank Morano, and others. Uh, Kevin Breslin, a good buddy of mine, Jimmy Breslin's son. These are all folks that are very high on RFK Jr. Someone even said last week, wouldn't be a bad idea for Donald Trump to pick him after he wins the primary as his running mate. He won't do that. But at any rate, RFK Jr. is making noise, and he is one of many who doesn't believe that Lee Harvey Oswald killed his uncle, and it's all that simple. He, in fact, believes, like Stone and others, that the CIA played a role, the role, in killing his uncle. So we're going to find out, or we're not going to find out, because just so you know, Joe Biden is not the first, not the first president to have this information and do nothing with it. We're going to find out. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. A getaway Friday, beautiful weekend about to come your way here in New York. We've got seven great guests stopping by this morning. We're happy you're here, folks. Friday with Sid and Friends in the morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Zuckerberg and Elon Musk is heating up. We'll talk about all these stories, Biden, RFK Jr., Brady, and Kardashian, Musk and Zuckerberg, all of it with my friend Brian Kilmeade. He'll be coming up next. Last night, I'm not sure you folks saw it, but on Entertainment Tonight, they did, in fact, play the trailer for the major motion picture I'm in which hits theaters all over the world August 11th. It was called Gemini Lounge. It's now called Inside Man. That's the name of it. And it's a great cast. Danny A is a wonderful actor, director, the real deal, folks. Best friends with Leonardo DiCaprio, just the real deal. So what Danny made this movie, and he plays Roy DeMeo, Mr. Gambino crime boss from way back when. But uh, Emile Hirsch is in the movie, Lucy Hale. Ashley Green, and a host of other really good young actors. And I've got a small role, important. You see me quite a bit behind the bar. I tend bar with Lucy Hale. But it's still cool to see the trailer. I'm in it. And the movie as well comes out August 11th. And thank you to Entertainment Tonight, who played the trailer last night. Gravesend having a huge week on Amazon Prime. Right now, number three. On Amazon Prime overall behind Yellowstone. I forgot who's second, but Gravesend is number three. So if you haven't seen it, folks, this weekend is a good time. Amazon Prime, all nine episodes. I'm in five of them, if you want to ask. Episodes one, two, five, six, and nine. Go watch it. 
Great cast, Chaz Palminteri, Vinny Pistori, Armand DeSante, William Forsyth, Andrew Dice Clay, William DeMeo, Chris Marmondo, Peter Gordio, Gina Gershon, Brand Drescher. I can go on and on. Amazing Tony Darrow. Amazing cast. Great show. Check it out on Amazon Prime this weekend. So Frank Morano showed me a column this morning, which really surprised me. You guys know I've become friendly with Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake ran for governor in the great state of Arizona. She seemingly won, and they took it from her. And she yells and screams about rigged elections about as much as Donald Trump. And she's got a brand new book out titled Unafraid, and she spent an hour with me in studio about a week and a half ago. And it turns out President Trump actually wrote the foreword for her book. That's a big deal. And just last Thursday night at Bedminster, New Jersey, Sergio Gore and Winning Team Publishing had a big book party, which I couldn't attend because of the red carpet premiere of Grayson, for Carrie Lake, and Trump was there. And she came on this show and spent an hour telling me why Donald Trump is not just the greatest president ever, but, in her opinion, the greatest leader ever. That's a big deal. So Frank shows me a column this morning in today's Daily Beast that claims, claims that there are folks inside the Trump organization, including Donald, that are down on Carrie Lake, that she's a bit much. She's too loud. She's too out there. She garners and wants too much attention. And she's turning off Donald Trump and folks inside his party. Now, I don't know, again, if that's true or not, but the Daily Beast, most of the time, but it's be credible, claiming that Carrie Lake is no longer a sweetheart of Donald Trump. So what do I do? I text Carrie Lake at 5.30 this morning Eastern Time, which is, I think, 3.30 a.m. in Arizona. And I said, listen, I saw a column in the Daily Beast. I want to talk to you about it. Please call in this morning in the 9 o'clock hour. So we'll see if Carrie Lake, in fact, does call in. But don't forget, Carrie Lake, I said to her, you'd be great as the running mate for President Trump. I've also mentioned my friend Nancy Mace out of South Carolina. And Carrie Lake looked at me and pretty much said, yes, I would do anything the president asked me to do. But, of course, that's up to Trump. Well, again, according to this column, he don't want her. And it ain't going to be Vivek Ramaswamy either, who right now has just 5%. But believe it or not, that puts him in third behind Trump and DeSantis, ahead of folks like Mike Pence, Fat Chris Christie, and others. So Vivek was on CNN yesterday. And uh, they asked him about being Donald Trump's running mate if, in fact, Trump wins the primary, which he will. Here is Vivek's response. Louis, Vivek Ramaswamy, cut number 12. Would you be open to being Trump's running mate? I would not. I am actually focused on winning the presidency. If you're like me, got two young sons at home making the sacrifices that we are, putting over $15 million of my money into this campaign already. Hard-earned money, not what I inherited. I didn't inherit money. You know what? You make those sacrifices if you want to actually drive a national revival. Like Ronald Reagan did it in 1980. There was the Reagan Revolution. I I say in in a good-spirited way, we're looking for the Ramaswamy Revolution in 2024. And that's what I think we're going to deliver.
This guy's out of his mind. He uh, goes on. I mean, he's got no chance. He goes on to talk about the similarities to Trump, but also very different. Ramaswamy and Trump. Lewis, cut number 11. We're very early in this race, so anybody who's trying to draw who the front runners are before the first debate, I think, is missing the plot, just like they would have in 2016. I'm running to lead this nation forward. It's true that Trump and I have a couple things in common. We're both outsiders who have had success in business, who did not grow up in the world of politics. And I think we have a lot of common cause, both in standing for the America First agenda. But I'm in this race to take that America First agenda to the next level to actually secure the southern border by moving the military to secure that border, shutting down government agencies that should not exist. I've said that I would end affirmative action by executive order, by rescinding the one that Lyndon Johnson wrote into law that every other Republican president since then could have Shut him off, God. He's too much. I know he's smart, blah, blah, blah. But he just goes on and on. I mean, shut up. Yeah, shut up. Give me a joke. Tell me something funny. Fart. Do something. My God. <laughs> just I mean, on and on. none of these people have any charisma outside of Trump. None of them. None. Harry Lake's got it in spades. I have fresh legs. And that probably bothers Donald still, Trump. He's still talking. Yeah, I know. He's still going. <laughs> Play one uh, late cut. She was on so the, uh, the Steve Bannon podcast. That's a mistake right there. <laughs> I mean, stay away from that guy. I told Kimberly Gilboyle, please make sure your future and father-in-law doesn't go anywhere near Steve Bannon. At this point, he doesn't help you, he hurts you. So Lake is on with Steve Bannon. She talked about Biden's censorship campaign, how that was ruled unconstitutional. So we'll get in one Carrie Lake before Brian Kilmeade and Curtis Sliwa. This, Lewis, is our friend Carrie, no longer, according to the Daily Beast, a Donald Trump sweetheart. This is cut number nine. Look, it, I mean, I always realized, you know, from about halfway through my career that the media leaned left. But this was beyond a bias. This was an absolute push from uh, away from journalism and the curiosity that journalists should have into straight on government propaganda. If it didn't come from Fauci and didn't come from the CDC, it wasn't going to make it on the air. And this was all across the corporate media all across the corrupt corporate media. And when I realized that we're putting out information that is driving people um, to you know, be divided, it, to be isolated, to be filled with fear, this is not responsible. If, you, if, you know, if you're getting medical advice, sometimes, many times, you'll want to have a second opinion, correct? Even a third opinion. But when it came to the news during COVID, they wouldn't even try to get a second opinion, even from people who were experts in the field of virology or uh, public health, things like that. So it was really disturbing. But I think this ruling is huge because it doesn't just mention how we can talk about and how we were censored with COVID. You know where I stand, and my most important issue right now is reforming our elections. They are freeing us up, removing the shackles right now. We can talk about the election, what went wrong, the fraud. We don't have to worry about Joe Biden and his, uh, you know, censorship gulag coming down on us and telling us we're going to get canceled for talking about what's very obvious. All right, there she is, Carrie Lake, still talking rigged elections. Again, just ahead of both, Brian Kilmeade and Curtis Sliwa, Joe Nolan in traffic. It is time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max. 
out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show. And here, Rita's talking about Hunter Biden. You have an illicit drug at the White House. What if it was anthrax? Uh, that's why they actually had to evacuate the White House. You think it's funny? I mean, this is scary. And also think about the hypocrisy. Had it been Donald Trump, a Donald Trump White House, and had the powder been found under Donald Trump White House, you know there'd be like headlines all over the place every five seconds. They'd be trying to impeach him a third time. And Pence. this is what oh, his former vice president, Mike Pence, had to say. He is not laughing. That's uh, Rita Cosby. I mean, jeez. Odd. Somebody take a breath this morning. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Mets once again showed last night what they can do on the field if they put it all together. Beating the NL West first place Diamondbacks 9 to nothing in Arizona to finish off the three-game sweep. Pitching and hitting once again created the perfect storm for New York with Carlos Carrasco taking care of things on the bump through eight dominant innings of three-hit ball. At the dish, the bats were lethal and relentless, racking up 17 hits on the night, including three dingers from Alonzo Alvarez and Lindor. The win marks five straight for the Orange and Blue as they look to take the momentum into a three-game set in San Diego against the Padres beginning tonight at 9.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Justin Verlander will get the ball uh, against San Diego's Hugh Darvish in that one. Now to the Yankees who lost again last night, but this time in a much more embarrassing fashion. The final score being four, uh, 14 to 14-1 laugher in the series finale against the visiting Baltimore Orioles. After taking the first two contests of the four-game set, the Yanks had uh, consecutive opportunities to register a series win, but failed to do so as they settled for the 2-2 two and two split against their division rivals. With the AL East first place, Tampa Rays getting swept by the Phillies. The Bombers squandered an opportunity to chip into their current eight-game divisional deficit. They'll see what they can do with the Chicago Cubs coming into town next, starting with tonight's first of three at the stadium, set for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch. And yes, the aforementioned Carlos Rodon making his debut in pinstripes. He signed a six-year deal worth $162 million in December, so not quite the 170 that Sid embellished just a few moments ago. He strained his left forearm in spring training and was slowed by a step back during his rehab, uh, well accounted here uh, through my uh, sports updates. And he'll make his long-awaited debut against uh, former Yank at Jameson Tyone tonight. That is sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTakeList.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Sid and Friends. And you know what I do every weekend now? And this is the God's Honest Truth. I watch 8 p.m. every Saturday night on Fox News One Nation. No, I used to only watch it when I was on it. 
but now, because I have been on it a bunch. You are addicted. I am. The show is great. You know, Brian Kilmeade, of course, does a terrific radio show after me right here every morning starting at 10 a.m. on this station. And, of course, he's on Fox and Friends on Fox News every weekday morning. But his show, One Nation, I swear to you, covers everything. So with that said, Brian, happy Friday. And who's on the big show tomorrow night? Well, I mean, we got uh, Will Kane who'll be closing us out, talking all the big issues. We're going to have Dave Rubin talking about Musk versus Zuck right out of the box. <laughs> the great Shannon Bream on the Supreme Court decisions and more. And, of course, a lot of surprises along the way. We're still formatting because things keep changing. I mean, I didn't think that this whole rollout of threads was going to be a big deal. But the more I thought about it, Sid, it is really attack on our only free speech platform. As imperfect as Twitter is, at least I know no one's out to screw me, yeah. suppress me. Yeah. And I can't say that with Zuckerberg. Can you? No, and I want to get more into that. I really thought I'd be on tomorrow night being that season two of Gravesend came out last Friday. And I've got a, uh, I'm in five of the nine episodes, an iconic wow. scene with Andrew Dice Clay in episode two. And last night on Entertainment Tonight, they rolled out the trailer for the movie I'm in. It used to be called Gemini Lounge. It's now called Inside Man. That hits theaters all across America on August the 11th. So I've got a big-time wow. cable mob show, a big-time movie about the mob. But no, not not for me. It's going to be Threads. But on a serious note, Brian, tell the folks out there about Threads and what makes you nervous about it. Well, number one, yeah, I know court, court decisions that come out are, are usually big news. But on the 4th of July, I'm thinking to myself, what did I miss? Did I just miss a day? No. They roll it out on the 4th of July that it basically says, hey, 155 pages, Chronicles, would Sid, you and I talk about every day during the 2016 through the 2020 election. There was a big suppression effort by the Democratic Party and the Biden administration in particular uh, and, and the Biden campaign to suppress conservative thought, Donald Trump tweets, people that are anti, you know, anti-vax or have different opinions on some of the methods of handling the pandemic. You come out against Fauci. You come out against Biden. You get suppressed. You get crushed. You get shadow banned. And they had all this stuff proven. Uh, and they had all these examples. And the biggest example, obviously, is the Hunter Biden laptop and the 51 Intel experts. And if you did this, your your economy, if you retweeted this, your your account was crushed. So this judge looked at this and says, now it is against the law for any political party or any government agency to suppress any free speech. And I'm thinking to myself, how appropriate on July 4th? Well, now all of a sudden, Mr. Zuckerbuck, who put all his money into key locations and districts to help those districts go the Democratic way, and we still don't have any transparency with Meta and Facebook, now he says, you know what? I think I have a competitor to Twitter, the only platform that exposed all this injustice and its threads and it's formidable. And they got 30 million users already. So wow. even with this law passed, how do you enforce it if you can't see it? Musk said, come look. He's not a conservative. He just is concerned about free speech. How many people would spend $44 billion? Experts say $20 billion more than it's worth. Because he said, I think America is really in trouble, and I think we've lost total trust in social media and media. And he began to bring it back with Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. So that's why I think it's a bigger deal. And that's why I just thought I'd underline it this week, Musk versus Zuck. Musk must win. <laughs> I agree. I'm rooting for Musk as well. Great job there, Brian Kilmeade. You know, uh, tough week for Biden overall. You've got this story. Jim Comer and the folks uh, still out there beating their drum about uh, the criminal aspect 
of the Biden family. And then you've got this one. Interesting. RFK Jr., who, again, I, I kind of poo-pooed and always got 20-plus percent. He's in second place. But he's as far behind Biden as DeSantis is behind Trump. But yet, I'll admit, now I'm intrigued between you, Morano, Roger Stone, and a bunch of people. I'm intrigued. And then it turns out that Biden is not going to, I guess, unseal for the public what really happened with Kennedy, because folks like Stone think, guess what? He was murdered, the CIA. There was not Lee Harvey Oswald. What are your thoughts on Biden possibly keeping the real truth about RFK Jr.'s uncle from the public? Well, number one, you got to talk to Trump about that. He calls you all the time, right? (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) So Trump had access to the same stuff. And there's something about it where Trump said, yeah, I'm going to expose it. And then something about what Trump saw, he felt differently. So I would like to know why Trump didn't bring it forward either. I'm not sure it's related to this, but I will know. I'll I'll tell you more fundamentally what matters about RFK. He's going to win the New Hampshire primary. And he was going to win the Iowa caucus. Because Joe Biden says, I want my first primary to be South Carolina. And no New Hampshire said, screw you. We're first constitutionally. So he, RFK is going to win the first caucus, and he's going to win the first primary. And then you try to dismiss him. Yeah, I mean, I still will dismiss him. I mean, let's not forget that Biden, even when he won last time, got off to a very, very slow start. And it was Big Tuesday, you may remember, where Biden gained all that steam and knocked out Bernie Sanders and Klobuchar and Warren. He didn't do well last time in those states, and he still won and he's up by 40 right. points. I, I don't want to completely dismiss him, but he can do I well say in it's both gonna of weaken those. Him. Said, I agree with you. I say it's going to weaken him. And you know why he won. He didn't earn that. Clyburn gave it to him. They panicked because uh, because Bernie Sanders is going to win. Right. And they don't want a socialist who is not even truly a Democrat winning the party nomination. So they woke up the corpse with his Joe Biden and said, you're probably the most reasonable and everybody else stepped aside like Republicans would never do. Hence, Ted Cruz never did. And oh, remember, uh, Kasich never did, even though Trump was going to win that whole time. And they all stepped aside. They just let it and they let Biden win. He didn't earn that. No, you're right about that. They did. It was uh, almost like a party decision. And I think a lot of those guys, including Bernie, are still pissed about that today. Let's move to the city. Talk about a couple of mayors. I know the big story in the Post today, Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian. I got news for you. It didn't start in the Hamptons. It didn't start at Rubin's party. This is an old story. About a month ago, Tom Brady, he owns a house in the Bahamas. And guess who actually rented a house on the same street in the Bahamas and was seeing all over the Bahamas with Tom Brady a month ago? Kim Kardashian. So it didn't start in the Hamptons this weekend. It started in the Bahamas. Now it looks like it's intensifying this weekend in the Hamptons. But he's not the only single guy, Tom Brady. It turns out the former mayor, Bill de Blasio, is single too. Who's the better catch, Brady or de Blasio? Hmm. Do I have to answer now? Uh, I mean, do, do, can I get some time? I mean, de Blasio, I love the way he is. I, I thought that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, when she said we're having a conscious uncoupling yeah. with her husband, who she now considers like a little brother, which uh, is the biggest insult possible. Uh, you're talking about uh, the lead singer of Coldplay, Chris Morton. Right. Now you have 
uh, de Blasio and his wife, a former lesbian, which I didn't know you can be a former lesbian. This is, I'm learning every day. Right. Um, she says, you know, I just rubbed my husband back. How come you're not lovey-dovey anymore? Why don't you say, let's start dating other people? I mean, what kind of conversation is that? This is the story they actually well, tell. And now they're going to live together and yeah. date other people. Well, this here's is going to go issue. really they, well. They can't get divorced because if they do... Then legally, they can testify against each other. Both are facing some real legal issues. Trust me, I know this from the inside. So as long as they stay together and married, they won't have to testify against each other. That is the sole motivation. Not that they still love each other. They don't. Not that they care. They don't. The sole motivation is to make sure legally they don't have to go against the other one in a in a court of law. And believe me, there's still a billion five missing, and a lot of New Yorkers want to know, hey, Charlene, where's that money? Right. I didn't even know there was an investigation going. I just thought we kissed it goodbye. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, we did not kiss it goodbye, and there are people out there that are trying to get answers Every day. Now, the current mayor, Eric Adams, coming off the huge embarrassment of calling a Holocaust survivor a plantation owner, which he still hasn't apologized yet for. And between you and I, I stopped texting him. I'm done with him. Until he apologizes to her, to me, and a bunch of New Yorkers, I am sick and tired of Eric Adams calling everybody who disagrees with him a racist. If you disagree with Adams, you're a racist. But this latest thing, carrying around this picture of a dead cop, another huge embarrassment, no? Yes, because... He says, well, you know, they are fr- evidently they did know each other and the guy was gunned down. And he says, I carry a picture around with him every day, realizing he doesn't. He told staffers reportedly, cut out an old picture from a, a newspaper, make it look old. So they poured coffee on it. Oh, my God. And next now he whips it out. And the New York Times does a follow up and goes, we know you did this. We talked to your staff. You mock. You made this up. Of course, they retorted and said, no, I didn't. The New York Times should be embarrassed. But this is a such an unforced error by a guy that should know better, wouldn't you think? You would. And, and I had this discussion with my wife, Danielle, last night, and she said, oh, God, who cares? We have real issues. And I said, yes, Danielle. But how do you exactly. expect this guy to tackle the real issues if he's going to lie about something like this? And she said, baby, you got me. <laughs> right. I mean, does your wife admit when you win an argument? Um, not really. No, no, no. no. <laughs> That's why we're married 31 years, Brian. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, but, but it's just not worth winning. No. Let's say you do win, but in the end, you'll lose. Exactly right. You know, how many times in my marriage I've apologized when she should have apologized almost every day? No, you too, right? Really? <laughs> so now you just ruined it. <laughs> Does she does he listen to your show? Uh, after seven o'clock, I'm good for the next ten minutes. <laughs> okay, good. That's fantastic. Yeah, we took cable out of the house. Oh, you did? No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> um, just, but it's a lot of times. No, in the beginning, could... I just thought I could say anything; it didn't right. really matter. Right. And that's a big mistake. I get about two or three texts a week. Take that back. Say alleged. Why would you say that? And I used to yell at her. Stop listening. Don't bother me. But actually, she's kind of helpful. She's much smarter than me. So uh, now I appreciate when she listens, and she tells me to do something I usually do it. But you can't get rid of cable in your house because you've got to go home and watch yourself on One Nation later on that night, no? Wow, you are a promotion machine. I will say this. Do you ever get this, like where your wife asks you a question about something you said and you don't even remember it? Yeah. (laughs) And she says, well, why did you say that? Or I just got a call, and... 
Did you go ahead and claim, or did you say, and I'm thinking to myself, whatever she says next is not going to be good. You're dead. You're dead. Right. <laughs> I used to think it didn't matter. It does matter. I have a mandate, too. No one really wants to be on social media. I have people call me and say, Brian, just send me a picture on vacation. People love to know. I go, with who? Alone again? With my dogs. <laughs> like, because nobody wants to be on social media with me. Oh, God, that's funny. Hey, listen, bro, this is another great conversation. We'll all be listening at 10 o'clock when I'm done to you here on WABC. And, of course, we'll all tune in tomorrow night, 1 Nation, 8 p.m., Saturday night, Fox News. It really is a terrific show. And you are a great friend. Have a great weekend, Brian. Thank you so much. And I'm going to watch all your shows this weekend. You swear all to right? God? I, I'm going to. All right. We'll talk about it on Monday then, Brian. <laughs> Have okay. a good weekend. Right. We're talking about it about Monday. Uh, a man, a multi-dimensional, multimedia superstar, Sid Rosenberg. I'm going to lock this interview out myself. Uh-oh. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Get down, 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 get down. Well, you know, it's a disco Friday when Curtis Lee was here. I can go out clubbing tonight, Curtis. This made mention of my peach button-down shirt, my white pants, and my brand-new Joseph Abboud multicolored Indian rug moccasins. I'm ready to go out and uh, do a little dancing myself tonight. Maybe oh, in the Hamptons. Wait, wait Fire Maybe Grove. Maybe Kardashian. Hey, Fire Island, Cherry <laughs> Grove. You are so gayish. You would definitely, I don't know, be the LGBTQ+. Oh, my God, they would love you. They would adore you. Man, that is such a gay outfit. So Sid. gay, so gay, and I'm tan. So the peach shirt oh, is like really. God, I know, I know. You're you're turned on. I know. Curtis, <laughs> uh, host, of course, noon to one every weekday gets huge ratings, overnights all weekend long, and is a staple on the show. He's on every weekday at this time, and we've got a guy coming up, the GOP chair in the Bronx, Mike Rendino. He'll be on just after eight o'clock. We'll get to him. There's a lot that Curtis has to get to today, but it all starts. With All Out Crazy. Oh, yeah. All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, better known as Sandy Cortez, who was a valley girl in Yorktown Heights in the very affluent section of Westchester, who pretends that she's like Jenny on the block, you know, like <laughs> J-Lo from Castle Hill, the Bronx. She's not. So she advertised she's having a town hall meeting. And we've seen before, they get quite raucous. People on the far, far left attacking her, people on the far, far right but it's great, these town hall meetings. This time it was in Hunts Point. 
Hunts Point, you remember the videos, the Hunts Point hookers? Yes, on well, well, videos. It was an HBO show. Are you it sure? It was an actual HBO show. I know, but when you were chasing the white powder, you sure you didn't end up getting <laughs> off the Bruckner Expressway there? Never. Uh, believe it or not, and I went to some pretty rough places. Yep. Pitkin and Pine was one of them. Oh, yeah. But never the Hunter. Oh, never the, how about Newport <laughs> and Rockaway, right? Newport and Rockaway, they busted Joe Pepitone with all those pills and brought him into the 73rd Precinct with the a Don Imus cowboy hat on it. Yep, yep. Did you do this, Joe? Yeah, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But anyway, we caused you, you caused me to digress. So for me, it was homecoming. Hunts Point, I'm out in the streets of Barreto, Casanova, Brian Seneca. Yo, yo, what's up? What's up, homie? I mean, we're talking prostitutes. We're talking pimps. We're talking drug dealers. We're talking Eskels, Mutts, and dope fiends. And they're all loving me. In fact, some of the, some of the folks there said, man, you know, they could be diseased. I said, are you crazy? Well, when Mother Teresa went amongst the wretched and the poor, did she want a hazmat suit? Did she want gloves? Did she want a mask? Well, that's the first thing that me and Bernie said years ago when my great partner, God rest his soul, was still alive. You put up these videos where you would actually, with your own hands, yeah. and no gloves, yeah. around COVID, you would feed the homeless. And me and Bernie were like, this guy's got to have tuberculosis, herpes, uh, who even knows what? Never what? ended up with coronavirus, never Nothing. ended up with COVID-19. Nothing. No hepatitis? No, no, no. Remember what I do. I bathe in uh, rubbing alcohol. I yeah. stick it on, up my nose. Anyway, what? Yeah, that's what prevents what it. What you did, didn't you uh, one year have penile porosaurus? Uh, I had <laughs> so many diseases. <laughs> Look, the Board of Health, the letters are not to be um, um, looked at. Remember, I have HIPAA. HIPAA privileges. But anyway, you're causing me to digress. I'm sorry. So anyway, I queue up, and they tell me to the back of the line, because you're not a constituent in her congressional district. I say, okay. And then there's two lines. There are people who are not uh, part of her district, but they are her groupies. So they let everybody in who's part of her district first, because it consists of the Bronx and Queens. No problem. Then they let everybody else in. Then the guys come up to me, and the cops just said, they ain't letting you in. I said, what do you mean? They ain't letting you in. Yeah, I said. Wait a second. Town halls, everybody can Exactly. I said, not only that, you know, I'm WABC. Yeah, Curtis, I listen to you every day. The old Ford Apache on Longwood. They wouldn't let me in. Really? That's right. So I posted a video. You can go to my Facebook page. You can see me. Outside, they had a huge poster <laughs> of AOC as if we see the queen of the socialists had arrived. And meantime, then I'm going to be posting the videos where all of a sudden the skells, the mutts, the dope fiends, the drug dealers, the pimps, the hookers are embracing me. Say, you're our guy. You're, you're, you're a hood rat. 1989, she was hanging out in your town heights at little baby, a little bambino. I was doing drug raids. Drug raids in Hunts Point. This makes me think, when I go back to your very unfortunate loss to Eric Adams yes. in the mayoral race. Yes. And the reason why you lost is, all these people you were with last night that love and revere you, you're like God to them. Yes. They're all felons. They can't vote. Yeah, well, they don't vote anyway. That's the problem. It was based on them. Uh, I would have been mayor ten times over. You saw that yourself when you came with me in Brownsville. Never ran, never will. The brothers and sisters, they can't get enough of me. 
So that, that, and this is said, that's why I've set up these Ronald Reagan Republican clubs in Astoria and Frog's Neck, the Bronx, AOC's congressional district, to battle her because everybody's rolled over for her. No, no more. We're taking that socialist out because, as you know, they are cop haters. They want to defund the police, remove the police. They want to open up all the prisons. They hate America. They want to change the American flag to the flag of Cuba or Venezuela or Hell no, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm coming for you. But being in the Bronx reminds me that there was a very contentious race north of there. There was, District 13. In fact, I had Samantha Zerker in here twice. Your candidate, George Havanick, ran a really good race, but it looks like he's going to lose to Christie, who happens to be the sister of the GOP chair, Mike Rendino. Now, some very ugly things said about Mike between you and Samantha. He texted me. He said, Sid, I'm a huge fan of yours. From your days on the fan, I miss. I'm in recovery just like you. I love it when guys like us succeed. Curtis is lying. Samantha is lying. Give me an opportunity to correct the record, and that's going to happen right here in about... 45 minutes. Well, that's fine. And he's, he's, uh, he should get equal time. He, you offered him equal time in the middle of the campaign, but I guess he was too busy in Garden City where he lives, you know, attending yeah. brunches and, uh, uh, getting wine dined in pocket line. You know, he's a lobbyist for the casino out there. He does speeches. I am a resident just like you in Nassau County. But let's hit to the two points that I want to make on this. Look. You could say anything in the world to me. You know that, Sid, and people have, right? Of course. They've said I'm a racist, a sexist, a misogynist, a homophobe, a xenophobe. That's what Eric Adams called me during the campaign. Call me anything. Believe my older son, Anthony, out of this. Rendino keeps calling Anthony a special needs kid, just like his candidate against me, Mateo, right here in the first debate at WABC. In fact, the crowd turned on Mateo when he said, oh, you're a deadbeat dad. You're, you're, you're a special needs kid. And you've seen Anthony here. Yeah? He works. He's an intern. Oh, he's a great kid. I love that kid, Anthony. And there's a lot about Anthony that reminds me of my own son, yes. Gabriel, who happens to be a special. He's not special. He's got a disability. Damn. So I'm also very sensitive. Um, Mike Rendino, because Mike Rendino swears, swears up and down. He never once said anything negative about Zerka's kid who died. So you're sure? Absolutely. We have him on tape. We have him on tape. But put that aside, okay? Just uh, don't talk about our kids. I don't talk about Mike's kids. They're beautiful. Right. His third child, I even said, remember, I said, God bless. His third child was delivered to his wife and him in Garden City Hospital. Well, Not I'm, a hospital I'm, I'm, in the Bronx. I'm, I understand. So I'm going to have to bring that up. Right. I'm going to have to bring that up because I love Anthony like one of my own. Yes. I'm not okay with that. Just, so just I'm going to give him a chance to deny it. Right. Leave that alone. But the more important issue is the yeah. counting of the ballots because it was a very close race first round. It comes always down to the paper, the absentee ballots. So here it is. You have Andrew supporting Rendino's sister. Andrew Giuliani. You supporting Samantha. Right. Rudy Giuliani being neutral and me supporting George. And so Rudy had me and Andrew on his show on Friday to discuss the importance of the paper ballots. Let's play this cut. This is Rudy, Andrew, and Curtis discussing the importance of the paper ballots. They're bringing it to New York now. Yeah. You know, Curtis is absolutely right on this. And and Curtis has outwardly supported George Havernack. Uh, I was on Christy Marmorado's signature on her petitions. 
Uh, and basically, even though we may have had different candidates potentially on this one, I didn't make an open endorsement. But if anything, probably I've helped Chrissy a little more just by being on her petitions. The thing that's so important to me, though, is if we're going to make sure that we can trust our elections in the city, in this state and in this country, then you need to make sure that everybody, that you have every single person's lawyer represented to open up those absentee ballots and to see that. You have to do it. I don't care what the results are, whether it means Christie winning, whether it means George winning. We need to make sure we get back to a place in this country where we can trust our elections. And, Andrew, you have no idea who it's going to benefit. And, Curtis, you don't know who it's going to benefit. No. And it's simple. They had 200 absentee ballots. Each of the candidates was supposed to have a representative. Your candidate, Samantha, my candidate, George. And they opened them up with no representatives there. With only two people in the room, the commissioners of the Board of Elections of the Bronx, the Democratic commissioner. And you know who the Bronx commissioner is? The Bronx commissioner, I'm going to take a guess. Yes. I'm going to go with Christie's brother. Uh, husband and the brother-in-law of Mike Rendini. <laughs> how fair is that? Uh, We're entitled to look because that's how. Remember, we have Roger Stone on uh, on Sunday, Street yeah. of Fire. Remember yeah. him barging into that room in Broward County when you were in Florida? He said, the whole world is watching. Gore, Bush, you can't count the ballots without us being able to watch. Remember? And then because of that, of it went to the Supreme Court. We ended up with Bush 43. We have a right to watch the absentee ballots being opened up. We were never afforded that right. Your candidate, Samantha, was not afforded that right. Right. And so clearly, Rendino controls that process through his brother-in-law, who is married to the candidate, Rendino's sister. So what is the brother-in-law's title again? Uh, Commissioner of the Bronx Board of Elections. You get two commissioners. One's a Republican, one's a Democrat. So he's the Republican commissioner. Right. And I believe Morales is the Democrat commissioner. And his so, wife is the one who's about to win this right, election. Right. So two people in a room, none of us. You have to be invited. Now, if you don't show, that's one thing. But you have to be invited. But now can I talk about another person who uh, I believe, based on his conversations with you recently, should be involved in the sequel of the movie in 1969, Bob, Carol, Ted, and Alice. You remember that? With Natalie Wood, yep, Robert yep. Cope, Elliot Gould, yep, and yep. Diane Carroll. And let me guess, uh, this person you're talking about, that's a great reference, Curtis, great reference, happens to be coming on this show just like Mike Rendino is, in fact, later on this hour. That's right. Uh, Arthur Idala asked Kister of Bill de Blasio, who is actually defending him in court now. It's uh, indefensible. That he's defending him. But I pointed out on his Facebook pages, his social networking, he has a huge picture of me and him because he wants to immunize himself from the pictures of him with that sexual predator, that perv, his client, Harvey Weinstein. I want that off. Uh, I want that off you today. Want, you want the picture of you and Artie off the page. I want it off the page. You want nothing to do with this. I did see the picture. There was a nice picture of the two of you together. And then next to it, it's but him and Harvey Weinstein. Well, whatever. He likes you both. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I want that picture off. And why is he defending de Blasio? You know. Because he pays. That the commission. He's got a billion and a half dollars. Right. The commission <laughs> has come together. That means Frank Morano, junior member, right? Bo Dito, Sid Rosenberg, 
Curtis Lewa, Lou Rufino, Justin Ellick. And don't uh, not include Peter King. He's still a yes. member of this commission. Uh, yes. uh, he's gotten back on board. He finally <laughs> right. got off the right. Eric Adams crazy train yes. and decided the guy is crazy, <laughs> as he admitted. But we have been going after de Blasio and his wife because they stole $1.5 billion from that program Thrive, of which Arthur Idala is defending them. I promised you that today I would tell you what happened to Thrive. Now that obviously Charlene is going her way and Bill is going his way, they're going to copulate, fornicate with others, but they're going to remain married because, remember, the wife cannot testify against the husband. That's the right. husband cannot be forced to testify against the wife. Which, which may be the case for both of them. Both of them are facing some serious possible legal issues. So, yes, they are staying together for legal convenience. Right. So... Right before he left office, because remember he was supporting Eric Adams, he shifted Thrive into City Hall. It's now called the Mayor's Office of Community Mental Health with a budget of $225 million. (laughs) It never changed. (laughs) In fact, all you got to do is call 1-888-NYC-WELL. That's 1-888-NYC-WELL. And ask them, where's the freaking money? Where's the $1.5 billion? And let me tell you, Arthur Idala, you could be out there ass-kissing Bill de Blasio and Eric Adams. But I'm telling you, this technology, this camouflage of uh, oh, the de Blasios, who might as well be in the sequel with you and your wife, Bob, Carol, Ted, and Alice, all of you together. I can't believe first Harvey Weinstein and now the two crooks you're defending. Bill de Blasio and Charlene stole one and a half billion dollars. Hey, come on, Arthur. I know there's lawyer confidentiality. Where's the money? Is it in Panama? Is it in Switzerland, Antigua, the Cayman Islands? Because the commission is coming after that, including the stealth member of the commission, Danielle, her prestigious law firm, an influential lawyer, greater than you, Arthur Idala. We're on your case. You're going to have to use every defensive skill in the world in order to keep Bill and Charlene out of Otisville with husband and wife cufflinks known as handcuffs forever. Uh, get it. Feel the funk, yo. Let it flow. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. They say.
We're giving away Belinda Carlisle tickets today. This is Belinda Carlisle. Get some really good solo songs like this, of course, also well-known for being the lead singer of the Go-Go's. And she'll be at the NYCB Theater in Westbury. Giving away tickets today for this lady, Belinda Carlisle and Gladys Knight. Already a great show. Brian Kilmeade and Curtis Sleeve are both terrific. A lot more to come, which includes author Idala, Bronx GOP Chair Mike Rendino, Joseph Tacopina, Staten Island Borough President Vito Pasella, and maybe Carrie Lake. We'll see. But I'm joined in studio now by a young lady who's here about once or twice a month. We always love it when she's here. And she is the pride of Palm Beach, and that is our friend Elizabeth Pivko. Lizzie, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Welcome back to uh, New York City. Thank you. The place you call home, even though you don't live here. I live here in my heart. (laughs) I'm getting better. Aren't I getting better? Yeah, you're getting Yeah, I guess. Did you move now from uh, Boynton to Palm Beach? Is that official? It's official. It's official. So now you live, are you in Palm Beach exactly, like Palm Beach Gardens or... Whether not disclose your information. It's, it's less that and more that I'm a woman and don't know where the hell I am <laughs> yeah. ever. So yeah. I don't know. Somewhere you, in West Palm. But closer to Donald Trump now. You're closer, <laughs> closer to, to the Mar-a-Lago. airport. Right. And the Trump. airport, yes. sure, sure. All that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the airport, <laughs> especially because you can't wait to come back to New York. Exactly. So tell me this. I was just having this conversation with you off the air. And Carrie Lake may join me at 930. So the Daily Beast comes out with a story this morning. And it says that Donald Trump specifically is tired of her that she's too much she wants all the attention i love her she was here last week for an hour and i think she's a great spokesperson for trump and we all know of course her name has been bandied about people like nancy mace and others for a possible running mate so the daily beast says ain't gonna happen trump can't stand her and she was on steve bannon's podcast just yesterday talking about the bidens so it's really a a two-pronged question a do you believe that Donald Trump doesn't like her, or is the Daily Beast just making up stuff? And secondly, why would anybody in their right mind hang out with Steve Bannon? Explain that one to me. (laughs) I know that he was there in 16, and he's a big Trump supporter, but I I really believe in my heart of hearts that he does more bad than good for any political candidate these days. Do you? Okay. You don't believe that? Honestly, I don't. I mean, he's he's on the side, like he's doing his show. Whereas in sixteen, he was in the you know in the campaign office right. in the campaign. I'm pretty sure he was in the White House at some point. He, a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many candidates he really works for, so I can't say he like does any harm there. I don't know. He's an interesting character. I think he kind of keeps himself in the best way. So if you don't want to be a part of that crew, you really don't go there. But he gets a hell of a lot of views, and people love what he has to say. I just think that 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 MAGA extreme. I love Trump. I yeah. love him to pieces. But when you get to the extreme levels, that MAGA extreme, that even turns me off. And to me, the face of that is Steve Bannon. He's the face of it. Is it? Okay, no, that's you think, interesting. Do you think there's one housewife on Long Island right now <laughs> that doesn't think he's a nasty scumbag? Honestly? I, I think extreme is a better word than nasty. Yeah. <laughs> but no, 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 I think they both work. There's definitely a lot of people that have become very extreme, but it might be because of what they've been put through the last few years. But he started that way. When he, when he, when he, I mean, you had people like Corey Lewandowski. Right. He was relatively normal. Uh, the other guy who Corey wrote the book with, what was his name again? David Bossy. Right. right. Very good. He's very nice. Right. Very nice, normal. And Bannon came in. It's like, you know, break out your Confederate flags and guns and let's go. 
Like, if you told me Bannon broke into the Capitol January 6th, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, jeez. I mean, luckily, I have not spent a lot of time with him. I can't say a lot. Um, yeah. I can go back to your Carrie Lake question, though. Well, give me the Carrie Lake answer, I certainly yes. do not believe Daily Beast knows what they're talking about, or they're getting faulty what? information. It Wait could easily second, be the information from, like Jason Miller said, yeah. some pretty bad advisors that actually don't well, spend any read, time with I didn't read his tweet yet on the air. Did, did I read his tweet? I no, you read it to me. All right, so let me read it on the air. This is what Jason Miller, thank you for that, tweeted. He said the anonymous so-called advisors quoted in this Carrie Lake fake news story are not advisors at all. They're jealous losers who like to say they're close to President Trump, but in reality have no access at all. Now, my opinion is I believe it. I do. And not because I don't love Carrie. I love Carrie. But I know Trump. And if somebody around him is garnering a lot of attention and somebody around him is becoming a legitimate face in his movement, and somebody around him gets mentioned in the rigged election, even before he does because she got jobbed in Arizona, I can see that pissing off Trump all day long. I think we see him differently. I don't think so. I think he's enjoying the fact that someone's loyal to him, despite a lot of the hell that she's put through on a daily basis. He really appreciates loyalty. He does. And also, you really can't share the spotlight with Donald Trump. You never will. I think he knows that at this point. You think so? Yeah. I, I know he tends, and again, I love him. Yeah. The but he tends to get really babyish about certain stuff. And he does get bothered by certain I think he things. gets bothered by a lot of things. I yeah. don't think this is one of them. Like, one I just don't see okay. him that way. No. All right. Well, I believe you then. <laughs> hey, Lewis, call the Daily Beast and tell him that Liz Pipko says you're a bunch of liars. No, they're, maybe they're, they're leakers or they're... There, already... Whoever's giving oh, them information might be a bunch of Like liars. Anthony Scaramucci. I, I didn't say it. You did. <laughs> <laughs> She's making right. news right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the next column in the Daily Beast. All right, we're going to talk to uh, Arthur Idala coming up next. He was just the topic of a blistering, blistering conversation with Curtis Sliwa. A lot more to do. Liz Pipko is live in studio. we got six more great guests stopping by today. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, you're my best friend. Boy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. Well, how come you say you will when you won't? Say you do, baby, when you don't. So much, uh, not even abuse, I actually got a lot of favorable messages last night. I was yelling and screaming yesterday, I'm never going back to L&B's Pomoni Gardens. I'm not going there, I'm done with them. They're pizza, the desserts, not good enough to stand on line. And then I made a comment, but I was just caught up, you know, I did I don't really feel that way. I'm a man of the people. That's why my ratings are great. People love me. I'm a man of the people. I walk around Rockway with shorts on and T-shirts and say hello to kiss babies and say hello to folks all day long. I'm a man of the people. Oh, you're not in the regular line. Well, that's, that's the comment I made yesterday, uh, yes. Oh, I, regular people, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you did. Yeah. Well, it was unfortunate. You know what I meant to say was that 
you know, I'm, 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 well, yes, I'm not a regular person. No, you I'm, meant to say commoners, probably. Too. <laughs> that's fine. Is that better? What they call the people at the bottom of the Titanic? They were called, um, uh, landlubbers. No, nah, uh, there was another bar- name for them, too. Uh, barnacles. Yeah, they drowned first. <laughs> yes. But, uh, so people were texting me, my friend Larry Davis and others saying, that was the funniest thing they've ever heard. Others were actually upset. But it all goes back to L&B. So Arthur Idala, he has, like, I, I don't know if he owns it. I don't know what goes on there. He shows up with 30 people, Geraldo Rivera, all of his friends. He never waits online. I know he lives in Brooklyn, and he's a, a legend there, as he should be. He's a tremendous attorney and a great guy. But you can never make a logical argument that Arthur Idala gets in anywhere before me. Anywhere. Outside of court. Is that fair, Lewis? I'm going to have to go go to my notes and see. <laughs> what are you saying? So you and Arthur Idala are, are on a line. Right. Okay. That's This is the scenario. Any restaurant, right. any place, okay. anywhere okay. in the five boroughs. Okay. First of all, that probably wouldn't happen. You wouldn't be on the line. Both of you would know the owner, I would no, imagine. No, this is what I'm saying. LMB, I stand on line like a putz. Okay. Like, remember the end of Goodfellas when he went outside and collected the paper? He puts ketchup on his spaghetti? That's me at LMB's okay. Pomoni Gardens. And now you're not being led through the restaurant like right. he was. All right. Like so I usually. Okay. Yeah, so no. I'm still trying to picture it. Arthur Idala. Well, I'm going to ask Arthur right now. Frankie Kravitz checks in, and he said they were called steerage. He's right. Good job, Frankie. Here he is. Okay, now we got a new term. <laughs> steerage. But Sid. <laughs> the great defense attorney and dear friend and the very talented, I must say, Arthur Idala. Good morning, Arthur. What's happening, Sid? And if you look at your phone right now, you will have the very secret and top, top secret phone number. I just shared with my brother, Sid Rosenberg. But for the this is the top height line. No one's got this number. You're gonna call that number in a half hour, an hour before you get to Ellaby's for Morty Gardens, and you will no longer wait. You think so? No, I know so. Don't tell okay. me you think so. I well, know so. Okay, well, I, is, okay. Is, is. Well, I got the number here. I'm not gonna read it out loud. Obviously, it's a seven one eight, and I'm gonna call this number at some point today. And I'm going to take you up on your offer. And if I wait even say, 10 you're minutes. You're say one word when you call the number. What is you're it? say one word. What? Arthur. No, see, I don't want to. No, no. I, I, no. This is where I see I get aggravated. Why do I have to say your name? I'm the biggest radio star in this city. I'm in a movie yeah, well, and a did, TV you show. Did, you did, here, here's where I get in. The, the handful of places I get in before you. When I save people's asses. Or when I'm there for them. In their time of need. So you're t- words, right. So 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 if Harvey Weinstein and Bill De Blasio open up a restaurant together, you eat for free. Correct. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Not only I know, but I don't know. I didn't. Well, hold on, hold on. With those two guys, I don't know if I eat for free, but at least I wouldn't have to wait on the line. Right. No, but if you if look, and this, I don't want to make this into a sad thing, but as you know, the one of the primary owners of Elmi's Fomoni Gardens was executed. Lenny, yeah. For what? Yeah. With, with, no, God forbid, Lenny wasn't executed. His brother, his brother-in-law, Lulu, Lulu that's was right. executed right by my law office on 13th Avenue and 81st Street. And, you know, I mean, I was one of the first calls they made, I and mean, it was horrible. And yeah. we had, a, I mean, I conducted, helped conduct the U.S. Attorney's Office and uh, the DA's Office, the full investigation. By the way, there was zero, all they wanted to look at, speaking of your great movie Gravesend, or your show Gravesend, all they wanted to look at was organized crime, organized right. crime, organized right. crime. Well, that's who did it. Organized crime. 
The organized crime task force went up and down and yeah. inside and out, everything at LB, and they found nothing well, there. That's because, that, that's, because that, that, that's because organized crime often has uh, a leg up on the actual police and, and other bureaus. I mean, you can't convince me no matter. You cannot convince me. Well, why did the guy, why did they kill the guy? Just a random shooting in his backyard. Why? Why? I will. Th- Sid, it's a brilliant question. It right. really is. Right. They basically offered the guy a very minimal plea. They knew who did the shooting. And the family, through me, basically to the DA's office, to his lawyer, said, come in and just tell us why. We know you did it. Tell us why, and your plea will go from 25 to life to maybe half of that or even less. And the guy never came in. And the only indication we got was the guy was mentally ill. Right. So the guy wasn't a rat, and the guy closed his mouth, said nothing. And the so he had no links to organized crime. Oh, get out of here. I don't, I don't care what you, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what came out of the case. It's like telling me O.J. Simpson was innocent because he was acquitted. No, 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 no. What you have to here's the big, you want to talk about O.J. Simpson, here's the hugest difference between organized crime then and now. It's technology. The only guy who could get away with it is Tommy Whispers from a Bronx Tale because he would only whisper in other people's ears. All right, so now, so I got to get past. I got to get. I have to get to other stories here. Then then give me give me a. Get, I'll put this to rest because I still don't believe it. Uh, why do you think this kid walked up on this guy who owns a pizzeria in a mobbed up section of Brooklyn, who every mobster goes to for all these years, kills him and leaves ten thousand dollars there? Why did he do that? 50. 15. Yeah, so why did he do that? 15. Well, number number one, maybe, he didn't kill him right away. In other words, Lulu was still able to walk. Lulu, so tragically, walked almost into his house. He walked into the backyard. His sons came running out. It was well, it was late at night. It was like 7 o'clock at night on a busy street, 12th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Maybe there was an element of the guy saying, holy shoot, I'm going to get caught. Because he was not caught right away. He wasn't apprehended for months later. So I, 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 we don't know. We'll never know. But the bottom line is now you can get into L&B. And just to get Curtis feeling very powerful, because he's going to love this, I got a call yesterday that me, Frank Sedio, and your friend who you break bread with with your wife and child, Eric Adams, are going to L&B for morning gardens oh, to have dinner. Then I'm, very, very good. Well, uh, first of all, I'm not friends with Eric Adams anymore, not until he apologizes to that nice little Jewish Holocaust survivor who we called a, a, a slave owner plantation. I'm sick and tired of Eric Adams calling everybody in this city and in this country a racist to their own degree. So uh, that's more reason for me not to come, to be honest, because right now, unless they get a phone call, an apology from Adams to that lady, and quite frankly to me as a Jewish man, I've had enough of his nonsense. Well, did, did, did you text him? Yeah, of course. No, I texted him on Father's Day. He never texted me back. He's too busy. But you don't think he hears what I say every morning? Are you serious? You don't think Fabian Levy doesn't give him an email every day? Oh, my God, Sid said this? Of course he does. All right. No, no, you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk? Can we, can no, we I want, no, I got, no, no, no. You mentioned Derek Adams. So I got to bring up Bill. I have to bring up Bill de Blasio because Curtis just oh. went nuts on you. And I want to know, know one great. thing. I know it was funny. But I know I want to know one thing. What exactly are you defending for Bill de Blasio? What's the case? Okay. 
I'll tell you, by the way, after I heard that segment, I am going through my phone. I have 100,000 pictures. I probably have like 1,000 of Curtis and I, and I think I'm going to put my whole Idola Tuning Cameras website. It's going to be all pictures of me and Curtis. <laughs> next to me. First, they'll be next to me and de Blasio. That mixed me and Harvey Weinstein. A couple of, I'll throw in a couple of murderers oh, I've God. represented. Oh, like the, the worst of the worst is going to incur – I'll Photoshop like Curtis's <laughs> arm around them, like hugging them and stuff. Like, so it'll be great. Uh, but here's, here's, here's some, sometimes people are just a little ridiculous the way they manipulate the law. And these are city bureaucrats that, that we're up against. Ed Koch, David Dinkins, Rudy Giuliani, Michael Bloomberg. They were allowed to travel everywhere for anything, and they got full police protection. Full police protection including their cars and their meals and their hotel rooms if they had to stay overnight. All of a sudden, for the first time ever, ever that we could find, they say to Bill de Blasio, oh, when you went to Iowa, you were entitled to the NYPD, to the officers, because you're the mayor and, and it's in the charter that you get protection. But you're not entitled that they have to sleep over for us to pay for their um, hotel rooms. Now, we said, well, how come you didn't say that when he went to Italy on vacation with his family? That's Italy. You know how much more expensive that was? Oh, well, that wasn't for political purposes. That was for vacation. And we were like, well, where, you show us the law where it says when he goes to Italy, he gets his police detail paid for. And when he goes to Iowa, which is much less expensive, he doesn't get his police detail paid for. And it is so transparent. They are doing this. The guy you've broken bread with many times, Eric Adams, they are telling him, if you're thinking about running for New York State Senate, if you're thinking about running for president of the United States, you better understand that we are not paying for your uh, – we'll pay for the cop's salary, right. but we won't pay for their hotel room. We won't pay for their airfare. We won't pay for their cars. And look, here's all I'll say to give me a little – to give de Blasio a little credibility – your friend and mine, very good friend, Rudy Giuliani, who is no friend of Bill de Blasio. I won't tell you the curse words he said about this case. <laughs> yeah. He just said, he goes, it is effing ridiculous. They are screwing this guy. He goes, do you know where Dinkins went when he was the mayor? He traveled the whole country going yeah. to fundraisers for yeah. everybody, yep. and we paid for it. No, listen, I, only I, I, this for Adam. I respect that. You know, I got made a family and friends who are happy when Alvin Bragg indicted Donald Trump because they hate him. So for Rudy to say that says a lot. I know you're going to defend the guy in this particular incident. I get it. But i got to move off to Blasio for a second. Yesterday, Judge Napolitano was on for his weekly right. Thursday appearance. And I brought right. your name really. up in conversation because the second indictment, the second arraignment, the second arrest of my friend President Trump, resulting, of course, in that ridiculous document case. Both you and Knapp had Trump in prison. He's finished. It's over. Yesterday, Knapp seemed to walk that back almost a lot, but you're not ready to do that yet, are you? Well, I, I the prison part, I don't know. That, you know, because, you know, when they say no one's above the law, I really actually don't believe that. That's not true. Just so you, everyone who's listening knows that that's not true. There are people who get fantastic plea deals all the time where if they were from one socioeconomic class or one race or whatever, it wouldn't be the same plea deal as someone else. There are guys who are charged with rape, the same exact set of facts. One guy goes to jail for 20 years and another guy doesn't. Now, sometimes prosecutors have 
a very well-founded reason. Like a victim of a rapist goes into the U.S. Attorney's Office, or I should say the DA's office, and says, don't put me on the stand. Don't let me have to tell everybody what happened to me, please. And then the DA's office keeps lowering the plea until the guy eventually takes it uh, in the best interest of the victim. So the, the, I could see a judge, even if he gets convicted, saying I'm going to make you do a billion hours of community service and pay fines and do all that kind of stuff because, let's face it, he's not accused of hurting anybody. But I'm going to read you paragraph three of the indictment, city. It's three or four sentences, and just substitute any other president's name in here. The classified documents that, hypothetically, Obama, which is not true, Obama stored in his boxes. Of course it's true. Included Included about it. Obama's got, got 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 more boxes than uh, than UPS stores okay, around the country but he, combined. He's, but he's not indicted for it. Um, that's another problem. Ready for this? Yeah. Defense and weapons capabilities of both the United States and foreign countries, United States nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attack, and plans for possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. So imagine that. Number one, Obama or Clinton or Hillary or whoever had these documents. And they then do. the next paragraph they do. talks about, okay, but Sidney. But, 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 but I can't imagine it because the Democrats don't get in trouble for doing the same exact thing. Whether it is Obama, he's got plenty of boxes. Biden's got 2,000 boxes. Who knows what he's got? So I but could imagine much, it. Listen, you have much smarter people to talk about the politics. I'm talking about the law. And all I'm talking about is Trump is the one who got caught, okay? And there's yeah, a lot of sexual true. predators out there, but Harvey Weinstein's the one who got caught, right? right. So I have to deal with that. I, I can't go in front of a judge or a jury saying, everyone else is doing it, and they're not getting arrested. So, you, so Trump's <laughs> lawyer cannot go in front of the judge or the jury and say, Obama's done it, Hillary's done it, Biden, that you can't do that. The judge will, will make the lawyer sit down or sanction them. So that's not a defense. What, the, the, what is going to happen here is, well, this is my only point, Sydney. In federal court, you got Takapina coming on next. Ask him. In federal court, 37 counts don't just disappear. They just don't disappear. They have audio tapes of, of Trump showing a freaking reporter. And the words he says are, this is top secret. This is secret stuff. I could have declassified it, but now I can't. It's a secret. He's admitting to it on tape. My only point is it's not just going to go away. A judge isn't going to just like dismiss these charges. It's a real issue for President Trump that he has to deal with. I'm not saying he's going to jail. Right. And here's the best part he's got going for him. In Florida, and I'm not making this up, I'm not being political, because I looked at a whole bunch of former uh, cases regarding politicians. Some of those people, some of those jurors in a red state, they can't see beyond the red. And the way here in New York – they hear Trump and he's automatically guilty. Right. I think in Florida they're going to hear Trump and he's automatically not guilty. That is by far the best fact yeah. he has going. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, listen, uh, this was not a good appearance. I mean, you're great at this. You, you're absolutely great at this, like you are being an attorney. So enjoy your dinner tonight with uh, Brady and Kardashian and the Hamptons. One more thing. One, listen to me. One more thing. I, uh, this is this is personal. Yeah. Here's what I would love to do with you and I in sometime in the month of July, if it's got to be pushed to August five. I get to work early in the morning. I want to pick you up from the studio, like around 11-ish, something like that. Whatever you're done kissing at whoever's butt, you got to kiss over there. Right. And I want to drive you to your house. I want to see your new house. 
And then I want you to take me to that new Rockaway Hotel Beach Club that everyone's talking about that I haven't been with because yeah. I want to walk in with royalty. Sure. I'll have a nice little lunch. Okay. I'll drive you home, and then I'll go back to my life. Sounds like the gayest day ever. That's right. I, I listen. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing. No, no. Two handsome bald men who no. know each other 40 years. No, listen. We're going to do that. It actually sounds like a great day. I mean it, Artie. We will do that because Danielle and I do want you to see the house, obviously. And uh, it's a beautiful. Have you been to the Rockaway Hotel at all, ever? No, no, oh, no. That's love what I'm it. I want to go with you. To yeah, no, time. we'll go. We'll go. That sounds like a great time. But you got to be home then because you're in the Hamptons every weekend, hanging out with no, all these. No, 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 no. No, I actually, no, I actually go to Curtis's house. I help him clean <laughs> the litter boxes on the 17 cats because Nancy gets overwhelmed. Then Curtis and I. We go to Nicola's with Paul Carlucci. We have dinner. Then we go to Saratoga together. Oh, and, and that's why I have all these pictures of Kurt. He's in love with me. He's in love with me. I don't blame him. Uh, listen. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a little menage a trois. Me, him, and Murano. That sounds great. All right. There, there he is, everybody. On fire this morning. Great, the great Bain defense great. attorney, Arthur Idata. Thank you, Artie. Thank you. Be good, brother. Great, great job, Artie. Thank you. Well, we're only halfway through. It's been an amazing show already, right? I mean, come on. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Pipko, and, of course, Audie Idala Still to come, not nearly done. The Bronx GOP chair gets a chance to defend himself. That's coming up next, about 810, Mike Rendino. You're not going to want to miss that. Noam Leighton, Joseph Takapina, Vito Bosella, maybe Carrie Lake. A lot more to do, folks. Second half of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, about to come your way. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Channel, I actually love this. is a great song on uh, cable. Is um, at least we get it in Rockaway. That Axis channel with all I the live concerts. I look at that a lot. A Me lot. too, like a lot. A lot. If there's nothing, I just go right to it to see yeah. what's on. Is this Ringo? Yeah, it's Ringo. Uh, Ringo Starr, the great drummer from the Beatles, celebrating his 83rd birthday today. Happy birthday, Ringo Starr. If I can make this louder, I'll finish my point on Axis and talk to Mike Rendino. Oh, I can't wait. Ringo, baby, happy birthday. So uh, last Sunday, I found myself watching on like an unplugged type of thing like MTV used to do with John Fogarty and Creedence Clearwater Revival, and it was great. Now, the last couple of weeks, I've seen the Foo Fighters and, um, well, play a lot of shows. So. Who have you seen lately on they that do, channel? Uh, well, they do, they focus on albums and they show them being made. You know, classic yes. albums. You ever seen that? That's very cool. And I think a lot of it's based in the UK because they always have the uh, always British, Wembley. They have British journalists, and it's on. always Wembley Stadium too. Yeah, a lot Wem- of the shows. right? Yeah, right. but yeah. I think the journalists commenting all right for British uh, tabloids oh, or it. music things because they all have 
they all have the snootier than the last person <laughs> yeah. um, review of what, uh, like, dire straits or what they were doing. Well, what actually Boy George was going through at the time, and he made it clear on this record. <laughs> yeah. So what, yeah. he translated his relationships into this terrible, terrible, terrifying album. Right. Uh, Bobby Hartman checks in, my dear friend from Mainstream House, where I spoke out on Long Island a couple of weeks ago to about a hundred of my brothers and sisters in recovery. And Bobby says Ringo Starr has a crazy amount of sober time. It's been documented, which is a perfect lead into my next guest, who's in recovery just like me, and Ringo Starr and Bobby Hartman and thousands and thousands of others. Happens to be the GOP chair in the Bronx. And if you listen to this show every day, specifically the morning 705 segment with Curtis Sliwa, you've heard his name mentioned quite a bit. Mike Rendino. Michael, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. It's Mike Rendino, and I am the proud chairman of the Bronx Republican Party. <laughs> yes, you are. You are the proud chairman of the Bronx uh, Party. But uh, I have to get all these things out of the way because... Get out of the way. Let's go. Yeah, I want to give you a chance to, to write the record uh, that Curtis and Samantha and others have said a bunch of stuff, like this one, for example. How can you be the Bronx GOP chair... When you absolutely 1,000% live on Long Island in Garden City. Plain and simple. I have a house in Garden City. I have houses from Suffolk County through Westchester. But my residency is split between my two homes in Garden City and the one around the block from my parents' house in the Bronx. State law allows you to vote from whichever residence you you want to vote from, but you cannot vote from both of them. So there's nothing illegal going on here. You there's own homes. Nothing illegal. All right. All right. Uh, now let's get to the next one. Uh, supposedly, uh, according to Samantha Zerka, one of the candidates that did lose to your sister, she said, uh, yeah, yeah, he's in recovery, big deal. Uh, he said horrible things about my son. Samantha's son passed away, and you called him a pill popper or something. And Curtis said this morning that you actually were kind of nasty about his son, Anthony, that he's basically a, 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 a needs kid. Uh, so both of them are saying you're making fun of their children, one dead and one with some needs. Uh, Mike, what do you have to say to that? Come on. I pride myself on being a good father. It's one of the biggest things in recovery that helps me stay clean every day is the fact that I'm a good father to my children. I would never do that. What happened to Sam Zerka, and I don't know the incident of what happened to her son, but I've never said anything negative. It's absolute heartbreak what happened. And anyone who meets Sam knows she's still going through mental anguish over her son today, and I feel horrible for her. It's something she'll probably never get over. I have to ask you this, though, and I don't know Sam very well. I've met her twice. I'm talking to you for the first time. So uh, I want to believe both of you. Why would she say that, Mike? Why would she say that? Because she was being influenced by somebody who is not a good person. And I'm not even going to give him the credit of saying his name on the air today, but he is a criminal. And he's somebody who's in trouble, who was involved in her campaign, who said it to her. And then he said to me when we saw him at the Greek feast when we were campaigning for Christie that, oh, he didn't realize. He didn't realize. You went on, they went on the air and they said that basically that I was a piece of garbage. I mean, this is something I pride myself on. I help more people in recovery than I've ever done in politics, and my word is very important to me. I love that. You know I love that, and I appreciate that as a guy in recovery myself, and I thank you for that. I really do. Uh, nepotism, of course, is a word that follows you all around. Your sister, Christy Mamorado, is about to win that District 13 race, and there were some ballots out there that had to be opened a couple of hundred 
uh, in the, I guess, in the eventual uh, result of this race. And according to some, they were not opened in front of the of people when they were supposed to be. And not only is Christy your sister, who's about to win the race, but her husband, your brother-in-law, happens to be the chairman of the Board of Elections in the Bronx. So when people use that word nepotism, Mike, you have to understand why, yes? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's not easy being in the Rendino family, unfortunately. Uh and me asking them at times to do the things they do or them getting involved in politics, it's not easy for them. Everyone thinks, oh, we're this big family, this criminal enterprise. There's no power in politics being a Bronx Republican. We're out number 13 to 1. We're out there every day working for nothing. I'm an unpaid chairman volunteering, building the party in Hispanic neighborhoods where Republicans just don't exist. And I've been doing it for the last six years, and I'm going to continue to do it. Seems like these other candidates, uh, Zerka's had experience somewhere else. Curtis's candidate, George Havernick, the same. And as far as I know, Mike, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. Because, sure. again, I, I have no horse in the game here. I'm not looking to hurt anybody. But as far as I know, your sister, Christy, who's about to be announced the winner, she doesn't have any experience. Am I wrong there? I don't think anyone has any experience. None of the three candidates had any experience in politics. And I told them all the same thing when I met with them. If you want to run for office, the only way to do it is going out and meeting the people. Go door to door, meet people, go out, raise some money, show that you're credible, show that your friends and family network believes in you. And then we'll go from there. And Christy did that far and above of anyone else. Anyone who meets Christy knows she's the right person at the right time. This whole me and Curtis thing, it's a big distraction. That's all it is, because Christy was beating George every day in the street, outworking him. She was raising her daughter, working nine to five, and then she was going door to door every night, every weekend. I wasn't. She was. So Curtis made it about me and him because Christy beats George and Sam nine times out of ten. You know, it does feel, though, Mike, and look, I love Curtis. I really love him dearly. He's a great radio guest. He is. And I think he'd be a much better mayor than Eric Adams. I really do. But there's no doubt that he tends to take stuff very personal. And then he's got airtime. So he can make it sound any way he wants. It does sound to me like this Rendino Sliwa feud goes above and beyond Christy and George. Am I reading too much into this? No, you're 100% right. This goes back. Look, I'm the chairman of the Bronx Republican Party. I don't know if you guys remember, but two years ago, we didn't have a candidate. We were sitting waiting for your boss and my friend John Katzmatidis to come off the sideline and announce he was running. In December, January, he still hadn't done it. So I went out and I recruited Fernando Mateo. Curtis wasn't even a thought or blip on the radar at that point. So we Recruit Fernando Mateo. He's a phenomenal candidate, small businessman, Hispanic, has advocated for his community forever, and he's a Republican. Me, Joanne Ariola, A.J. Katsimatidis, we get together. We're like, this is the guy. This is perfect. Curtis announces. Curtis goes and gets support from the other boroughs, and we have a primary. My job as the chairman of the Bronx Republican Party is to grow the Republican brand in the Bronx through Hispanic community. We have 58% Latino in the Bronx, and that's what Fernando Mateo would have helped us do. And in the end, of course, Curtis uh, beat his ass. So you think Curtis is uh, <laughs> – yes, no, he, no, no, he did. He killed him. <laughs> and I know Fernando. And, and, and during the campaign, uh, he used to hang out, actually. I used to live, Mike, on the Upper West Side, right between 105 and 106 off of West End by Broadway. And I've got a buddy who owns a, a little French 
restaurant right there. It does very well. I forgot the name already. But uh, he was there all the time, uh, Mateo. And he was very, very nice to me. But Curtis gets the win. So you're telling me that all this stems from the fact that you didn't support Curtis when he won anyway? I think it's Curtis says forgive, but he never forgets. Absolutely. And in the end, here, as far as own as I know, Mike, you mentioned John Katsimatidis, who I know likes you very, very much. He was a little put off by the original conversation. And you mentioned his daughter, who was a very, very powerful person, Republican in this state. And I love her. She's great. As far as I know, Mike, her support for you, your sister, that never wavered, right? Correct. 100%. A.J. Katsimatidis has been in my corner from the beginning, and I've supported her from the beginning. She is the talent of the Katsimatidis family. No disrespect <laughs> to John, but you look at her, you say, wow, she's an attractive girl, something else going on. No, she's brilliant. She goes out there, she works hard, and she doesn't have to. If you're the daughter of a billionaire, you don't have to go out and work hard. And she proves everybody wrong every day of the week by going out there and preaching the Republican brand, and she takes the hits just as bad yeah, as I do yeah. for it. And by the way, to, uh, to, to John and Margo's credit, both of their children, uh, their daughter, A.J., who you're talking about, and their son, John Jr., he's here hours and hours every day working on a bunch of his father's businesses. So they both work very hard, and you're right, neither one has to. That's a testament to uh, to John and Margo. So on the way out, Mike, and I think you did a very, very good job here, on the way out, what are your, what is your parting words for both Curtis and Samantha based on what you've heard on this station, how do you close out this conversation? Nobody's more angry than me, but at the end of the day, the most important thing to the people of the Bronx is getting a Republican elected. Christy Mamorato's our candidate. I will bite my tongue, and I will stand with them, and let's fight for her. Let's get an elected Republican in the Bronx, and let's win in November against Marjorie Velasquez. Congratulations on your sobriety. That's most important. Thank you for all the hard work you do for my brothers and sisters in recovery and continued success. And uh, good luck to your sister, of course. I'll be rooting for her come November. Mike, thank you so much. Please, get her on. Let's go. The people need to meet her. I will put her on. Text me later, Thanks, okay? Kid. All right. You Thanks, got it, pal. Take care. Be well, Mike. You friend. too. Be well, too. There he is, the GOP chair, Mike Rendino. And uh, he's pissed, of course, but he was a gentleman there. I like guys who are gentlemen. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Off the air, he wants to... Kill him. Oh, my God. He's a, I bet well, he's a, yeah, but he came on like a pro. Yeah, as he uh, had to, pretty much. No, he didn't. He could have come on and just been, you know, F this, F that, yell and scream. Yeah, but that wouldn't look too good for him now, would it? That's what Curtis does. <laughs> what do you think, Liz? How did, uh, I know you know all the players, especially. Uh, what's funny about you is I met you the first time, and it was at one of your events in the old days when you used to yell at Jews who voted for Democrats. And it was you, Larry Trump, and A.J. Katsimatidis. You and A.J. are very, very close still, right? Yeah, no, she's one of the nicest people I've ever met. She honestly, is. Honestly, yeah. Very smart, too. Yeah. So how do you think Rendino did there? That was really good, actually. You like I'm, him? I'm very impressed, yeah. yeah. So, Don't tell Curtis. So who's telling the truth? Mike Rendino or Curtis? No, 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 no. you got to give me an answer. Who's telling the truth? Remember, remember who's here, by, <laughs> by the way. No, Curtis place. is not here. He left with Nancy. They went to another. Not here. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, sh- he- come on. You're killing me here. Uh, <laughs> okay. I-, I don't need to go into a courtroom, okay? And who's telling the truth, yeah. Liz Pipko, Michael Curtis? You know how the new, like, liberal thing is your truth? Yes. You know, so they're each telling their truth. That is true. That's your what truth. matters. That's not a liberal thing because I remember one time I said to Bernard, because John Casmatidis bought the station, and he said, all we want to do is tell the truth. And I said... Yes, but you have to understand, one man's truth is another man's lie. Democrats think I'm lying, but I'm telling the truth. I know they're lying, 
when they think they're telling the there, truth. There you go. So there's multiple truths. So right. they're both right. What a way to pussy out of that oh one. Oh, my God. Aren't I I, oh, my God. Aren't I quite the politician? <laughs> Maybe you should run for office. Soon. Soon, soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, my truth's a little bit as close to your truth. <laughs> I don't know. Yours is a little bit better All right. We are going to get a lot more truth uh, to come your way with <laughs> Joe Tacopina <laughs> and Vito Pocella. We'll be back. Great job, everybody, on the Friday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Question, tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Brian Kilmeade was great. Curtis Sliwa, author Idala. But moments ago, we had the GOP chair of the Bronx, Mike Rendino, on. And he has come under fire on this show for weeks. His sister, uh, Christy Mamorado, is about to win District 13, taking out Curtis's candidate, George Havernick, and a lady that joined me twice in studio, Samantha Zerka. Both Samantha and Curtis said a lot of bad stuff about Mike. Mike just came on and responded to all of it, and I thought Mike did a very good job. So I went around the room afterwards. Liz Pipko, Lou Rapino, Justin, and Noam, and said, who's telling the truth? And Noam Layden, our main man in the newsroom, said, oh, it's not a matter of opinion. One person is clearly lying. And I said, well, well, how do you know? He said, I've got tape. Like they've got on Trump. The last thing you ever want, folks, is somebody to have tape. What will the tape tell us? Curtis lying? Randino lying? Here's Noam Layton with the tapes. Well, I'll let you listen for yourself. Uh, this is a moment where Curtis ended up next to Rendino. You know, they're fighting for the soul of the Republican Party. They don't like each other. And, it, you know, politics do get ugly. No two ways about it. That's why I could never jump in. And uh, here's what the GOP chairman said to Curtis Lee. What's well, a little hard to make out, but listen closely, and then I can tell you exactly if you don't, if you're unable to make out what he said. 
everything you use. I'm a good father, and you're a deadbeat to your special needs kid. So what he said to Curtis is, I'm a good father. You're a deadbeat to your special needs kid. That's what he said to Curtis. He said, you're a deadbeat to your special needs. And I asked Mike flat out. Now, Mike, if you remember, the conversation was only five minutes ago. He went back and talked about Samantha's kid. Even though I asked him about both Samantha and Curtis's kids, he went back and said, I would never say something bad about Samantha's kid. She's still struggling. So... He denied it but never went back and when he talked about Curtis's kid. And maybe he didn't because he knew that tape existed. I don't know that he knows the tape existed because they were sort of secretly taping this. Um, it was outside. It was outdoors. It was a confrontation. And I can tell you, and Curtis obviously could tell you more, but I know Curtis, and you can imagine, is bothered by this. Yeah. Uh, but he knew in that moment. Because uh, I said to him, how did you not slug him? I would have yeah. punched him in the face yeah. as hard as I possibly could if he said that to me. Yeah. And he said, because I know that's what he wanted me to do. So I held back. But he said, you know, his blood was boiling. You know, yeah. you go after someone's kid. How do you say that to someone? Well, listen, I, I, I again, I got to give. I don't know what Mike Mendino looks like. Maybe he's and not that Curtis is scared of anybody. But God forbid somebody says anything about my son who has a disability, although he's an amazing kid, even my daughter. I'm going to lay out. I'm going to lay you out in two seconds. So I don't know what transpired, why he didn't. But clearly it bothered him because the first thing Curtis talked about at 7.05 this morning were the comments made about Anthony, who's a terrific kid. Oh, yes. Is. Great kid. Sweet. All right. So we found out now that Rendino lied about what he said about Curtis's kid. Does that mean he lied about everything else? Not necessarily, no. Okay. So it is... What really, what we're trying to find out here is, was this election basically rigged with his brother-in-law, the GOP chairman for the elections, and his sister winning the race? Saying something negative about Curtis's kid, turns out he lied, and a guy in recovery shouldn't do that. But then again, who am I to talk? But it doesn't really say that Rendino fixed this election or did some of the other things that Zerka has said he did. Well... There are people sniffing around. That's what he should know. And at some point, we'll have the truth. But oh boy. that, to me, was about as ugly well, as what it is can your get. Pro- it sounds like you also have an issue with yeah, Mike. I, like, I don't. I mean, I don't. I know. I don't. There are people <laughs> sniffing around. There I mean, are. what are you talking I, about? Well, I just know that there are people sniffing around. They were sniffing around. They still know, are. You couldn't wait to tell me you had this tape. Well, because I heard him, yeah. and he lied to you, and I just wanted to point out that he had not told you the truth about right. what he said to Curtis. Right. So there it is. You have it. We do have it, yeah. Well, that's his truth, and then Curtis's truth, <laughs> and then maybe Rome's right. truth. Right. Maybe that's uh, Curtis's uh, lies is uh, Mike Rendino's truth. Curtis, I don't know. It. No. That's how I see it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, uh, stay tuned. <laughs> this thing is yeah. not over yet. You know, it's been like a week of kind of weird lying. You know, you had the mayor who said he was carrying Hold around. Hold on a second. I just yeah. got a text from Mike Randino. Okay. All right. I never lied. I told Curtis the truth. He's a deadbeat and a disgrace. Oh, and it's a disgrace. That is a text from Mike Randino. Okay. I never lied. I told Curtis the truth. So he's still listening, obviously, which, of course, he is. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. As is all of New York. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the regular person no, no. line. I'm though, listening to Boomer talk about the Met one over the Diamondbacks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Mike, for that. Go ahead, Noam. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, uh, you know, just uh, right. Both things could be true. I just wanted you to hear that tape. All right. Uh, that uh, there was a comment made, and we have it. Yeah. And there's more, by the way. I'm sure Curtis will be happy to hand you well, over the Curtis rest of the tape. Well, let Curtis play it because yeah. uh, Curtis has to be able to, to, to explain where he got it, how he got it, that type of thing, you know. And, you know, then you have this weird story this week. Of course, the New York Times reporting, you know, Mayor Adams had sat down for this interview. I don't know if you know the backstory, but Mayor Adams sat down for this interview with News 12 Westchester, where he mentioned that he carried around a wallet-sized photo of Officer Robert Venable, who he knew who was uh, shot and killed on the job. And so Tara Rosenboom, let's give her the credit, she had done this interview. And this is where the mayor said he carried around this photo of his friend every single day. And I understand the pain. You know, I carry around a picture of Robert Venable, my close friend that was shot uh, several years ago uh, when during my early days of policing. And I always have Robert's picture. So when uh, he left that interview, all of a sudden Tara had this moment. She said, oh, I should have asked to see the photo. So they asked City Hall to see a copy or a picture of this, uh, something. I think, I think they asked the my, uh, to be specific, my good buddy Fabian Levy. Yes, that's who they asked. They yeah. asked Fabian Levy for yeah. the photo. Yeah. And what they got was, the Times says, it was a photo that looked to be stained with coffee to make it look old, like right. he had been carrying it around in his wallet for years. And, 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 and just so you know, the Staten Island Borough President, Vito Pocella, is all over this story. He was on WABC. He's quoted in today's New York Post. And Vito's going to join me live coming up at 9.05. So we give you both Sliwa and Wendino, and you're telling the Adam story. I'm giving you Vito Pocella as well today. Good. Well, I, I did a quick Google search. I was like, how do you make a photo look old? Because I thought... Geez, if he hadn't carried around this photo at City Hall, they would be freaking out. How do we find a photo? And sure enough, the first thing that comes up is you take instant coffee yep. in hot water, you dissolve yep. it, use a paintbrush, <laughs> and then you towel, you know, hand, uh, you sort of blow, put it outside to dry, and then the photo no. will look old. I mean, you're becoming like Bill Ritter. You do these stories, and clearly it's an editorial. You think the mayor lied? I didn't say that. I'm well, just you're, saying you're, you're telling that us that how I funny can, is it? The coffee. <laughs> I can just imagine doing a Google search because I did it, and the first thing comes up is take instant coffee. And (laughs) (laughs) whoever figured that out too, I got to try to make this old before you ever heard of this story. Well, no, when somebody clearly accidentally spilled their coffee on the picture and then put it aged it up, and and oh my God, look, it looks old. And and uh, Fabian Levy did his homework, (laughs) and well, I don't know the truth of this story, but I mean, Eric Adams is furious. But again, he was also furious when he called some lovely 86-year-old Holocaust survivor a slave owner of a plantation, which he still hasn't apologized yet for. By the way, I said, in fairness to the mayor, the uh, family, the Venable family, speaking out yesterday, saying that they thought the New York Times piece was an unfair hit job on the uh, mayor, who they say has been close to them since uh, their father was killed all those years ago. Mm. Uh, but they did not make any comment on the photo itself, They, you know, whether it was no. real or not. Oh, let's or go back to uh, Liz Pivko. She uh, gave us such a definitive answer on who was lying between Sleewa and Rendino. Who's lying here, Eric Adams or the New York Times? Let's go back to their truth. No, um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of either one of either them. Either one on most days. See, that's the problem too. Like she said, you don't care what he says, right? right. I'm you not a care. huge fan of the mayor <laughs> these days, right. and I hate the Times. Right. 
They're the most anti-Semitic liberal rag in the history of newspapers. No one has had a, a more dramatic fall in the history of media, maybe. Not even Matt Lauer, the New York Times. <laughs> so it's a good point out of you, uh, Liz. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll talk to Vito coming up. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Our second big-time defense attorney today, Audie Idala, on earlier. And now we got the man, the man at the very top of Mount Rushmore, one of President Trump's attorneys. He's uh, represented so many famous people. Actually, um, Joe, I'll tell you a funny story. So we're at uh, dinner last night. Me, uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, your friend, Danielle, and uh, the kids, Ava, who uh, was in your office uh, last summer, and Gabriel. Of course. And we're at the China News Store having uh, some Chinese food, Flappish Avenue, and we start talking about music, you know. And I don't like hip-hop or rap. So right away, my kids are yelling at me. Danielle's yelling at me. That's fine. And they start telling me all the people that I should like, that I should like, and who they bring up. You ready for this? Meek Mill. <laughs> and yep, <laughs> you love Meek Mill, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love Meek Mill, the guy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, his music's a little, a little different for me. Not for you, but it's right? good. Listen, it's not for me. I mean, it's inspirational for some of these Philadelphia sports teams, and I hate all Philadelphia sports teams. So, how can you really like you know, Meek Mill's music if you're a New Yorker? Right. But you know, it does listen. It does a trick. I listen. ASAP Rocky, Rihanna. Those clients of mine, that music is great. I like that stuff. So no, that, I like that. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Rocky, only because I'm, I'm being honest. I'm ignorant. Don't know much of his music. I love Rihanna. I thought she was a horrible halftime show. I know you were there. You said you loved it. It was horrible. But she, but I love her song. She's terrific. I do, I do like her music. Yes. Yeah, she's she's amazing. I don't yeah. know why you think it was horrible. It was oh, it was horrible. Song. Oh, well, it was horrible. First of all, she she was pregnant. To the point where she could barely move. The uh, the lighting was awful. There was really nothing creative when it came to the you know the uh, the settings and the choreography. Yeah, I could just listen to her records; it would have been just as good. It was terrible. Yeah, the place went crazy. You know, she's oh, just the fine. You're she idiots. Really she's the queen. She's the idiots. Queen. What I tell you, crazy. What does that mean? God. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's great. I do love her. Joe, tell me what's going on with uh, you know, talking about Aesop Rocky, Meek Mill, Rihanna with uh, President Trump. You know, it's funny. Uh, Judge Napolitano was on yesterday. He loves you. I know you love him, too. And yeah, I I think I had him go back a bit on his initial remarks when Trump was arrested for the second time. He's like, he's going to go to jail. He can go to jail. And he's a, and Arthur Idala said the same thing. That's where Artie was back today. Both of those guys were like, oh, he's in big trouble. He's going to jail. I'm like, guys, 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 take a deep breath. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Now, one has retracted the jail part, maybe both. Only one has said maybe it's not going to be as bad as I thought. 
But you knew the whole time, Joseph, it was not going to be as bad as did Liz Pipko, as uh, people thought. Yes? Of course, because, look, we know why he was charged. He wasn't charged for the merits. He wasn't charged because there was some documents lying around that you know National Archives wanted back. I mean, he was charged because of who he is and what he's doing, running for re-election. This is, again, weaponization of the criminal justice system in full force now. We had it first with Manhattan and, and D.A. Bragg's case. Um, now it's taken a whole different level because it's, you know, it's the Biden DOJ that's actually pursuing a political opponent. And look, if there were evidence of a, a, a real crime, not something where, you know, there's a dispute over which documents are classified, not classified, what they should have been turned back and not turned back again. There was no investigation like this on 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 President Biden. Right. None whatsoever. Documents were recovered in his home you know, in a garage, in, in the most unsecure areas. And yet nothing ever, I mean, nothing was ever mentioned of it. There was no FBI investigation. There was no grand jury. It just seems to the to the person out there in the United States of America, unless you're so far to the left that nothing matters, the facts don't matter, truth doesn't matter, it just seems to the average person that they are they're using the justice system against Donald Trump. Oh, listen, I I, I, I agree with all that. I I, I I agree with all that, but but and the document the document in that indictment. Don't forget, it's an indictment. Yeah, you make it sound like the indictment's the 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 factual sort of uh, the arbiter of all the facts. It's not. It's a charging instrument. You can right. throw it in the garbage pail. No, I know the evidentiary. But 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 has, but, right? but tell me this. But let me and listen. There's no bigger Trump supporter than me. I think what you said is exactly right. They weaponize the DOJ all the time. Every one of these cases, they'll bring charges and. Georgia, nonsense. January 6th, nonsense. All nonsense. But, but, there is tapes. One tape in particular where he's sitting yeah. with a woman. What about that? Does that just go away legally? Well, no. Here's, here's, here's my question. Where's the document? Where is this document that they were talking about? They didn't even charge him with having that document improperly. What he's saying is, look, he was he was bantering and showing a bunch of different things. And, and look, there's a whole whole bunch of different explanations that can come out with what he said there. But the one thing that's missing, the one thing that's missing are these documents that he was talking about. I think he was, you know, look, if you listen to that tape, literally listen to it, it doesn't, by clear and convincing effort, certainly show that he was holding a document in his hand that was classified and showing it to people who did not have security clearance. It's just not clear. Yes, that's one, one interpretation of it, but there is other interpretations of it, including the fact that they don't have that document, okay? They don't have it. No one's seen it. The prosecutors haven't seen it. So the document he's charged with committing the most obvious crime for, let's put it that way, that's what everyone's talking about as the state, is missing an action. So they have all these other documents they claim yeah. he withheld illegally, yeah. but they're missing that one. Um, yeah. And that, that's going to be a problem for them. That I, will be a problem. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, MSNBC is running something political ran this morning, Joseph. 62% of people they talk to, and of course they're all Democrats, we know that, it's nonsense, but 62% of these people say that Trump should go to trial before the 2024 election. Any thoughts on that? Uh, that'll happen. I mean, that's going to happen. Um, you know, that judge already said it's the most unrealistic trial that I've ever heard, August. I mean, the case is, is charged in, in late April, right? So, August trial day, but that didn't happen, obviously. That's already been the prosecutors have asked for that to be moved because they're like, whoa, whoa, we can't try this case in like a month from now. Um, you know, it's a, it's a substantial case with a lot of documents, a lot of witnesses. 
um, and, and a lot of discovery reviews, the defense can't be ready for any trial like this in August. So now we're talking about December. December is going to turn into early next year, probably, but it's going to happen before the elections next year. Yeah. Don't get me. This is federal court. <laughs> this is not state right. court right. where things are sort of, you know, yeah. no, I know. or linger. Yeah. This is, you know, there's a yeah. fast track here. By the way, if and, anybody, everyone... if anybody should go to jail talking about federal court, it's not Joe Tacopina. It's the country's attorney general, Merrick Garland. He should be in prison. But I do want to ask you about uh, E. Jean Carroll, because uh, last time we spoke again, we talked about you getting the win. You did get the win. No rape. Uh, and then uh, I think Trump uh, a week ago or two weeks ago actually sued her for defamation. Is that is that the case? What's going on yeah. with that? Yeah, yes, because and it was his right to do so. Um, look, he's particularly litigious. He likes to to use the the legal system when he feels he's been wrong. You know, there's a school of thought whether it, it should have been done or shouldn't have been done, whatever. Um, but but she did call him a rapist, and the jury said no, he's not. And she did call him a rapist again after the jury's verdict said, no, he's not. So, you know, why not? I mean, why, why, why? he can get sued for saying I didn't rape her. Um, and that be called defamation, call her a liar. And conversely, you know, he can't sue her for saying you're a rapist when the jury said he's not a rapist. Uh, I, you know, this is, look, factually, there's absolutely nothing wrong with his lawsuit. Um, you know, it's going to keep this thing going and going, but, you know, it's 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 probably a principal thing, and it's probably the right thing for him to do if he feels he's been so aggrieved. And this lady's not stopping. Yeah, that's the problem. She yeah. continues to say, right. "Oh, he raped Brutal. me." Yeah. Hello, yeah. hello. hello. Uh, so you have a lot of friends. A civil jury, by the way, right? No liability. Right. Not a criminal jury. Right. So you have a lot of friends uh, everywhere. Uh, obviously, President Trump's a pretty good friend, but you have friends everywhere, all over the city, because you are, and I mean this widely recognized as the best defense attorney, not just in the country, probably anywhere in the world. And you have a lot of political people, celebrities that come up to you. You've represented a bunch of them. You named some of them earlier. What are those guys that you have befriended, like I have, over the last year or so, is the mayor. And I reached out to you, and you, me, and Bo Deedle actually had the same conversation on the same day when he went after that old Jewish lady, a Holocaust survivor. And described her as a plantation owner, describing himself as a slave. Now, he's done this not once, not twice, not five times, but a, I mean, close to ten times already. If you disagree with Eric Adams, you're a cracker. You're a racist. Now, I have not texted him for weeks. I have no intention of doing it. I've actually, he's lost me. He's lost me. Where are you in your relationship with the mayor? We were friends. We used to have lunch every couple of months. For 20-plus years, I mean, I've known Eric, and, and you know, I helped him on his campaign. I mean, I went to fundraisers. I organized fundraisers for him, um, you know, because I thought he was going to be the guy I knew. Um, politics do strange things to people, okay? They do really yeah. strange things to people. And 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 I think that's we're seeing that in, in living color with, with Eric Adams. And it's sad. It's sad to me. By the um, way, by the way, if he hears this tape— and he hears you say in living color and then mention Eric Adams, he's going to call you a racist. Just so you know. Right. No, of course, of course. <laughs> Listen, you know, but but it's okay to say a white person was a plantation owner, right? Nice. I mean, it's what well, that was. I read that. I couldn't even believe. I thought at first it was fake. I really did. Um, I read it again. I was like, oh, my God. 
Oh, my God. And this poor lady, some 80-something-year-old lady, and that's the analogy you want to give? He was, she was basically arguing with him about his position on rent control, right? And for that, for the audacity of arguing with him and, and waving her finger around, like, you know, with... with <laughs> But right, like old, old, annoying Jewish women do. They do that. So what? So does my mother. <laughs> she, 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 she took it to a level of slavery. I know. Slavery. I know. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. And that's, at that point, I said, okay, that's it. So you're done, too. You're, you're, you're like me. You're done, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. how can you not be after yeah. that? That was ridiculous. That, right. You know, then you read this thing in the, the New York Times about he had a fake picture or a, he had a picture in his wallet of a a dead cop who he said he's carried since, you know, 20 plus years. And then the time said, Oh, can we see it? And apparently someone from his staff or several people from his staff printed up a picture, aged it. So it looked old, put it in his wallet. <laughs> yeah. and, well, well he's know, denying that he's good. killing, he's denying it. And the family of the dead cop actually is backing Adams. But you know, when I don't know who to believe anymore, what, 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 who knows who to believe, but I'm saying there are people that have come out. I don't listen. I don't know if it's true or not true. It just seems that there's, yeah. Misstep after misstep with yep. him. But 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 everything is like you know, everything should not be about race. Everything should not be about race. It should be about right and wrong, good people, bad people. Like, you know, we should all be part of the human race, not this. Right. You know, you I, I, if it was a black woman yelling at him, he would have been fine. He would have been I exactly mean, black lady. Do you think he would have yeah. No, he, he would have said he, he would have said he wasn't let me tell you something. I I, I actually sympathize with you. That could be me. Right. That could be, he said the same thing, that could be my son, Jordan Neely. Why would anybody in their right mind want to compare their child to a kid that went nuts, punched a lady across the face, had 41 prior arrests? Why would anybody want to put that kid and your son in the same sentence other than they were both black? Yeah, that's, again, we're, we're on the same page here. Bo's yeah. on the same page, I know. Yeah. And it's sad because he was... Our guy. I was going to say, oh, boy. No, me too. I guess I might have said, oh, boy. No, don't say I that. Right? That. <laughs> yeah. that right. So, listen, I, I, got, I got good news for you on the way out. Uh, I've been talking uh, all week long about season two of Gravesend. We had the red carpet premiere last Thursday, last Friday. It went live on Amazon Prime. We're number three this week behind Yellowstone and one other show. We're doing great. People are buying it. They love it. I'm getting a ton of messages. Sid, you were great. Had Chance Palminteri, Armand DeSante, Tony Darrow, Bo Deedle all reach out to me personally to tell me what a good job I did. You are in season three. You will be the attorney, our attorney, me and Dice in Miami, Joe Tacopina. You're going to be Dave Fusco's attorney in season three. This is nice. And now you know you're going to get acquitted. So <laughs> no, no problem there. I'll write, tell Willie to call me. I'll give him the script, do the summation, and it'll be acquitted. Oh, that's if funny. I'm representing you, and you're getting yeah. convicted yeah. on a national television show. You're out of your mind. Well, you got to make it work so, like, it's a day when, like, Trump is in court. So, like, on the show, Trump leaves the court, and I walk in next with you. <laughs> The real celebrity coming in now. <laughs> but I mean it. You're going to be great. you got the look. Yeah, you're handsome. You're rugged. Cool show. Oh, my God. You like it, right? Show. Yes. Being from that area in Brooklyn, of course, how do you not like it? Right. It's, it's First of all, it's true to form. That's how people were. That's how they acted. That's how the the, the, the boys acted, you know, the, the good fellows and all those guys. That's how they acted. Um, the, the locations, the scenery, everything. The music. The music. The music is awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's really, really good. Hey, cool. Joe, that was, our era, that, that was our era, man. I mean, you know, you oh, and I were both it. 85. We were both uh, like 17, 18 years old. That was our era. Yep. 
it's uh, no, it's it's that's what it, that's why I love watching. I really love watching yeah, it because yeah, it's, cool. it's it feels like you know a flashback. It feels like we're yeah. watching some old videos. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's cool. And we knew guys like that. We all said, you of know, course. we went to school in the neighborhood. And yeah, of course. We nephew and son we weren't going to school with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, like, you were on Bedford and X or V? V. V, right, right. And I was on East 22nd and Quentin. Uh, listen, I love you. Another great appearance. I do love when you come on the show, man. And Danielle even said, man, Takapina comes on. You guys rolled. It's so enjoying to listen to. So thank you for coming on this morning. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again next week, Joseph. Thank you. Okay, brother. Talk to you later. My man, famed defense attorney Joseph Takapina, wrapping up hour number three. We got a big fourth hour, final hour to come your way. I got my crew here, Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layton, and Liz Pipko, plus the borough president of Staten Island. He's got his opinion on whether or not Eric Adams knew that cop well, carried that picture or not. The very outspoken Vito Fosella joins us right after Noam with the news. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. I listen for your footsteps coming up the drive. Listen for your footsteps, but they Singer, her name is Jill Scott Lewis. Yes. Really? I have. I'm such a liar. Okay. I have. You say with a straight face? I have. I have. When do I ever lie to you? All well, the time. I don't know. You lie all the time, Lou. No, I didn't say that. No, I actually have. No, what no. does she look like? What does she look like? I don't know what she looks like. Mm-hmm. I you you didn't ask me that part. What you, does she sing? What's her most famous song? I don't. I don't know. Well, this sounds like you know it very well. <laughs> Well, Your Honor, I, I would like a recess. Well, I'm please. just saying. <laughs> well, you know what she did now? Okay, something. She uh, sang the national anthem. Oh, this is Jill a, Scott. I, I didn't say I liked her, or I just know oh, her Oh, no, you're not going to like her now. She sang the national anthem, and she changed the lyrics. Oh, God. Not that it matters, but she is black. <laughs> <laughs> she changed the lyrics yeah. to, this is not the land of the free but the home of the slaves. Now imagine Eric Adams loves this new version. Would you? Yeah, it's all over the top of, of the search engines, yeah. There you go. Jill Scott, this wench. Why is this happening? All why is it now? happening? No, you know I why mean, it's happening? I, I, because I we I allow guess. it to happen. Because white people like you, quite frankly, encourage this to happen. That's why. 
Okay. Well, let's back up a second. Okay. Sorry. All right. Okay. No, maybe just, not you, but I just. All right. Can we? I'm going to edit that part <laughs> out. Fine. All right. You know that that is not. No. True. No. You're you're with me 100 percent on just about everything. Crap. Are you kidding? So was the Staten Island Borough President. That's why him and I are such good friends. I really do love this guy, and I think there are some bigger political jobs for him down the road. Not that being the Staten Island Borough President is not a big deal, but I really think Vito Pascal is very very smart. And he's got a uh, pretty solid opinion, talking about Eric Adams liking the lyric change, about the mayor and the story about the cop and the photo and all that. He's in the New York Post, WABC, everywhere. Here he is, my friend Vito Pocella. Good morning, Vito. How are you, pal? I'm doing great, Sid. Good morning to all of you, and I hope you have a great Friday and a great weekend coming up. Uh, you too. Thank you. Of course, we love having you uh, on this program. And how was your July 4th holiday? Oh, it was wonderful. You know, we uh, it was celebrated in true Staten Island fashion at the Travis Parade, 113 years and going strong. And people from across Staten Island came out, red, white, and blue. And still around here, we appreciate what this uh, national anthem still stands for because there are those who get to sing and change the lyrics if they want because of the brave, the people who wear our nation's uniform overseas and keep us safe, and the men and women of the New York City Police Department who keep us safe locally. So. We celebrate true independence and that experiment 250 years ago or so and still going strong. So God bless the United States of America. It is funny that growing up in Brooklyn, as a kid at least, Vito, all we did was make fun of Staten Island. It's like, oh, nobody lives there except for mobsters, wannabe mobsters, people in, uh, you know, uh, hiding their identity. And it's a, you know, it's a swamp and it's a bridge. And it was the forgotten borough. And even a guy like Joe Borelli wants to move away from the rest of the boroughs even today. But as I've gotten older and uh, got into this profession and met people like you, obviously, Nicole Maliotakis and others, got to know the people of Staten Island and the way they vote, for me, this is it's very anecdotal, but for Sid Rosenberg, Vito, it went from the forgotten borough to maybe my favorite borough. You guys are great. Well, always welcome to take up a residence here, Sid. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, no, no, don't be silly. Stop. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to give me give me a house on Toad Hill and Slauson, we can talk about that. But nobody. Right, a... We'll try to figure it out. <laughs> we'll try to figure it. But I, I think people at Staten Island still respect and, and value fundamental things. They love this country. They love the freedom. They they uh, uh, they want safe communities. They want good schools for their kids. They want open space, uh, and they they don't sort of reflexively take on the newest wokest things in the world. And they just really care about their communities, their neighborhoods. A very close knit community, almost a half a million people. But yeah. instead of six degrees of separation, there's one and a half. And right. and we start, stand strong for all of that. So I'm blessed to. to to work on their behalf and then represent their interests. And so, yeah, I, uh, for those from Brooklyn who used to badmouth Staten Island, we never listened. Right, I have those Brooklyn people. But, uh, you know, I go down to the St. George section and, you know, John Katsimatidis and the baseball team, and you go out there. You're out there for my son's little charity deal last yep. year, but you're out there often. You were there for the opening night last mm-hmm. year, and it's a great time. you got the outlets across the street. You know, maybe one day I'll have a Ferris wheel or a casino. I don't know. But to be completely honest, Vito, the drive, once you get off the Staten Island Expressway to the stadium in that section of Staten Island, uh, part of that is a, is still a, a, a pretty rough hood. Are there any plans to, to, to fix some of that or or no? Be honest. Yeah, be honest. In fact, I, I think the, um, the, the last thing we would want, to, not the last thing, but the last sort of waterfront area that is left to be 
rejuvenated, if you will, in the city is that whole uh, north shore of Staten Island. You know, we've right. seen it around the city, the Brooklyn waterfront, Manhattan, Jersey City, Hoboken, Bayonne, places like that. There is a golden jewel there in Staten Island. It's some of the best views in the world that overlook New York Harbor, the Statue of Liberty, the skyline. And you're right, John Katsimatidis saw it, and John is one of the smartest, if not the smartest guy I know. Uh, and he and Margo and others made a commitment to invest in the North Shore. So if if you're looking for a reason to, to invest in the North Shore, don't go no farther than that. And and we're committed to doing that. We've been working very closely with the local uh, delegation uh, on the North Shore waterfront, as well as the administration. And I think we're all on the same page to, to make the North Shore a golden jewel that it should be. How does crime stack up uh, on Staten Island? Uh, I'm not even talking about specifically the North Shore, South Shore, whatever it is. How does crime yeah. stack up uh, compared to the other boroughs? So generally speaking, Staten Island, if it were a separate city, would be the safest big city in the United States. And that's because we, as I say, we don't give in to this, you know, guy commits a bad crime, let him out on the streets. We say that the violent crime, you should serve time to keep our community safe. So fundamentally, uh, that's where we are. Uh, Unfortunately, because of bad policies in Albany that let bad people back out, there are crime statistics that are up year over year. And, and that's unfortunate, but it's at no fault of the New York City Police Department. They're doing their best job. But if they arrest a bad guy and he's out in the street at five, by 5 o'clock, he's going <laughs> to do it again. Right. So we need help in Albany to fix that and to, to keep Staten Island the safest place it could possibly be. So year over year, it's up. It's, it's a bad sign. But overall, Staten Island still re- respects what uh, what NYPD does, and that we want safe neighborhoods at any cost. So that's what we, we're, we're committed to doing. And Vito, Vito Boselli here, the Staten Island Borough President. I love this guy. Uh, you talk about going to Albany and, uh, you know, Stuart Cousins and Heasty and, quite frankly, the witch, the governor, the horrible people, all of them. And everybody's waiting for the mayor, Eric Adams, to get something done. He talks a big game. But the truth is he hasn't done much in the fight for bail reform and keeping the city and the other boroughs safe. And now we've got this latest story after calling a Holocaust survivor basically a slave owner, which was really embarrassing. And he still hasn't even apologized for that. Now you got this latest story about the photo he supposedly carries around with uh, a police officer who was killed years and years ago. And it sounds to me, Vito Pacello, like you don't necessarily believe the mayor now, do you? Now, uh, Eric Adams is a friend of mine, and I, I focus, I've been around long enough to know that there are issues that come and go, and these things to me are immaterial, right? You know, they really are. What I can care about the most and what I try to work with the mayor on is administration is keep New York City alive, right? You know, people are fleeing the city. Businesses are fleeing. Individuals are fleeing. They're taking their tax base with them. There are those who feel like they can just do whatever the heck they want on a subway platform or smack somebody in the middle of the street. Those are the things that, to me, matter most. So where we find common ground to keep New York City safe, to keep New York City alive, to keep people wanting to come here and and raise a family or, or start a business, those are the things that matter most to me, and I'm willing to work no, listen, with the mayor, the, frankly, right, anybody. Right, no, the, those matter most to me, too. I'm not in politics. I'm just a resident in Queens. But they matter most to me, too. But the, I know you're a friend of his, and that's great. I, I've been a friend of his and not a friend of his, then a friend of his and not a friend of his. But the bigger question is, is he getting the job done, Vito? And friend or not, let's be honest, not really. 
Well, I, I don't. I think it's, I don't criticize anybody until I walk in their shoes. And we have a, a there's a politics. In oh, hold, this on, city hold, right hold, now. hold on, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. Yep. Because you know everybody in this city. When I came to New York in 2016, Bill De Blasio was still the mayor. Okay, mm-hmm. and everybody and their mother bashed this guy, and deservedly so. Nobody said to me about De Blasio, "Hey, let's walk in his shoes." I don't know what the right. deal is with Adams. Maybe it's because he's a nicer guy. Maybe it's because he's black. I'm being honest. I hate to say it, but what is this nonsense that people are afraid to criticize Adams, but they crush Bill De Blasio? Well, I can't speak for anybody else. I can speak for myself, right? And that is, I find that the mayor is trying to find and, and, and solve problems. What I started saying before is there's a politics in this city, in this state, I've been around a little bit, that's as left as I've ever seen it. And anything you want to do to have common sense, to have strong economic growth, keep violent criminals behind bars, the, most of the, the political class in the city and state right now say no, right? So find those people who want to do the the right things, the positive things to to keep in jail, to help small business owners grow, and to right. and to empower schools to to educate educate our kids in the right way. Those are the things that matter most. And I find more often than not, this current mayor is supportive of that. Okay. So that's why I'm not quick to. Okay, but but you but you are on record, but you are on record criticizing the mayor veto just the last couple of days over his plan to put migrants in empty New York City schools over the summer. You were very critical of that, were you not? Yeah, no. So let's let's educate folks on that. Um, as we know, and Sid, I've been on your, your shows. In fact, we announced it on Cat John Cat's uh, Matiti show last year. When the city started welcoming migrants, asylum seekers to the city. We said then this was an unsustainable policy, that a combination of federal, state, and city policies where you opened up the door and say, come on in, we're going to put you up in a hotel, we're going to give you three meals, we're going to give you free medical care, we're going to educate your kids if necessary. Who the heck doesn't want to come to New York City? So you come across the border, you jump to the front of the line, you come here, you stay a year, you stay two years, maybe you stay forever. And what we said then is it's not right to the people of Staten Island who didn't create the problem, now have to solve the problem. And fast forward, this discussions about potentially putting them in a school, New York High School to be specific, that's currently under renovation inside and out, the logistics don't make sense. So, yes, I was hired by the people of Staten Island to, to stand up and represent their interests to the best of my ability. And I don't agree with this policy fundamentally. I think it's a, it's a perverse incentive that people come here and stay here. And money, you know, doesn't grow on trees, as you know, Sid. So if we want a new school or a new park or a new road, we're told we don't have the money. But somehow we find a billion dollars or $2 billion <laughs> to house asylum seekers right. indefinitely. Right. It's, not, it's not good. It's not right. So where we disagree, we disagree. But, you know, when we try to find common ground, we do so as well. Fair enough. I do like that. On the way out, Vito, we just went through the primaries. You and I had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. We're talking about how basically nobody runs in Staten Island. You just you just win, you know. I know Nicole, uh, she had Max Rose the last couple of times. But for the most part, Staten Island races are, you just win. Uh, so what are you looking at come November with some of these primary races or any of these offices? Uh, I, I think most, I think all the incumbents who are up for election this November will win and win pretty easily. 
Uh, and in large part because the people of Staten Island are very connected, I find, generally speaking, to the elected officials. And if the person's doing a good enough job, they'll rehire them. If they're not, they'll boot them out. So if I looked into my crystal ball right now, I think anybody's up um, coming in this November was, is pretty safe and, and sound. And there also is a more, I think, more often than not, as you might know, Sid, <clears throat> excuse me, we have Democrats and Republicans here, and they tend to work together for the betterment of Staten Island. And that's, frankly, the way it should be when people put the community yep. first yep. and put the politics second. So that's that's a good thing about Staten Island and Staten Island politics. Our last one on the way out, as I mentioned earlier, Joe Borelli, our mutual friend, is on record. Mm-hmm. He wants to secede from New York City in the worst way. Is Vito yep. Bosella in the Joe Borelli camp with that? Joe's a good friend, and we will have, uh, let's put it this way, we'll have news coming forward on, on that conversation. What? So I, uh, really? Uh, yeah. How yeah, long? We'll have some, How long? How long? I think within the next couple of weeks we'll have uh, something wow. to say about that one. That's a big deal, Vito. Very big deal, no? I I just think the conversation, uh, is, there's no reason to, to start a conversation. And, and I think that's what we're, that's what we, uh, that's what we're focusing on right now. Fair enough. Hey, you're a great guest. You're great on Katz's show, too. You're tremendous on that show. And uh, you're amazing Thank here, you. too. And I know the longest-running senator and uh, the borough president. You got it all, my friend, Vito Bocella. So thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You're terrific. Thank you so much. Well, I'm blessed for your friendship, and especially John and Margo. We're blessed to have great people in our lives. So thank you very much for having us, Sid, and have a great weekend for you and your family. You too, Vito. Thank you, and I agree, of course, John and Margo. Just saw Margo a moments ago. Man, did she look great oh last my night. God. She wore a dress. I don't know what it was. You know, it looked good, John. John had a, uh, a dark suit on, and he had like a light blue button-down shirt, kind of buttoned down, very summery. He's got a little bit of a tan going. He looked good, John. But uh, AJ and Margo wore like these dresses. I don't know what the event was. Margot's dress was one of the nicest dresses I've ever seen. Where can I now? Where is it? Uh, it's on AJ's story. Oh, all right. On Instagram, wow. I actually said it first thing this morning, and then she just walked in. I go, "Oh, you guys look great." Margot looks night. like she's out of a catalog. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Wow. Uh, Vito, thank you so much. We've got more to do on the Friday edition. I'm not sure any more guests are going to stop by. We've had seven, but between Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Liz Pipko, and Noam Layden, we got you covered. End your week with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on a Friday on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I'd like to be under the 
sea In an octopus's garden in the shade He'd let us in Knows where we've been In his octopus's garden in the shade I'd ask my friends to come and see Birthday to Ringo Starr, who's celebrating the great Beatles drummer birthday all morning long is 83 today. But this song specifically goes out to, well, why don't you do it, though, Liz? <laughs> I'm literally emotional just listening to it. That's how much really? I love my dad. Yeah, this is his favorite song. Um, happy early birthday to the greatest father in the world. When's his father? Uh, when's his birthday? <laughs> uh, Monday. Sorry. Monday? Monday, yes. You, you're actually very emotional. Well, yes. Does this song bring back a specific memory or... Um, yeah, my dad was a very, very, very busy dad, but he would drive me to the skating rink most, most weekends, let my mom sleep at yeah. like five in the morning. We would blast the song with all the windows down no and the kidding. roof open. People would get very mad, um, on the West Side Highway, but we had the best time ever. That's so time. nice. Yeah. The last time I saw somebody get that emotional over a song was when Lewis played Push, Push in the Bush. And Dude. Justin thought at the Kikens, that was the song he heard when his uncle first had sex with him. Yeah, okay. It was, it was very That's quite the turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something you'll never forget. Even a couple of years of that. Way to ruin my story. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, no. no. It's a beautiful. Dad. Is your dad listening right now? He better be. Does he, he listen all the time? I think so. He's a big yeah. fan. Is he in Florida too? Yes. Yeah, he goes back and forth. Yeah. But yeah. He just texted me, so he's listening. Well, happy birthday, <laughs> Roman. Happy, uh, he's a very handsome guy, he too. He just texted me, did you choose the song? So yeah. I think he's delayed a few uh, seconds. Yeah, yeah. Well, if he's on the app, he's delayed. I don't know if he's yeah. that he's, he's probably on the app. He's down in Florida. He's not listening on his car radio. No, he's probably online. He's online, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a bit delayed, yes. Happy birthday, uh, Roman. That's yes. a great song, Ringo Starr. So uh, you know that place, uh, Rocco's on 116, Lou? Duh. I told you this yesterday. Yeah. It's a really good Italian restaurant. Two owners, they're both named Vinny. I swear to God. It's Vinny and Vinny. Mm-hmm. I think there's one more owner. I forgot his name. It doesn't matter. So, um, and our friends are both Vinny's. I think Mario. No, I'm just kidding. No, maybe there is. I don't know. So uh, there's a place in Florida called, I told you this yesterday, Moderanos. You know Moderanos? Yeah, of course. Oakland Park, Port mm-hmm. Lauderdale. So Stevie Stick is, you know, he, he'll play music really loud, you know, and his food is great. He's got great meatballs and cheesesteaks and all that stuff. He's got a good-looking waiting staff. And then his stick is, is that he'll play loud music and the music will stop and the TV will bring up a scene, for example, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. And it'll be raging loud, and you see the scene, then it goes back to the music. So Moderano is in Gravesend, season two. He's one of the characters. He actually plays uh, a tough guy, like I do. And he, I called him over the weekend, texted him, and I said, uh, kind of kidding. You know, I know you play scene from The Godfathers and Goodfellas, all these movies. Have you taken my epic scene episode two, season two of Gravesend on the tennis court with Andrew Dice Clay and played it. And to my surprise, he goes, yes. I said, Stevie, I was just kidding. He calls everybody cuz, 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 cuz. <laughs> I go, I was just kidding. He goes, cuz, I'm not kidding. He started playing it in his very popular restaurant on Friday night. So Vin at Rocco's by us, Lou, he does the same shtick. He plays a Bronx Tale. He plays a Godfather, all this stuff. And I said, Vin, you got to follow suit. I'll come to dinner this weekend if I just happen to be sitting there. And, oh, my God, what a coincidence. There's me and Dice on TV, Gravesend. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? 
And he said he would do it. So uh, if he does it, Lewis, we're probably going to go tonight. And you're all invited, all of Rockaway, to watch, uh, you know, Gravesend at Rocco's during dinner. They're going to play it at Rocco's. Well, he said he was going to do it, Vin. Moderato does it in Fort Lauderdale. Vin said he was going to do it, so. No, I'm sure it'll happen. You don't believe him? I didn't say What that. is this side conversation going on with Justin? What is that all about? First of all, we, I wanted to check out AJ's page, and yeah. the Instagram is down. I can't get into the Instagram here. That's what, if you, you mean really the computers to... are down? No, no, no. The just Inst- Instagram. My Instagram, I can't get on it. I right. just got to use my phone. So okay. We're, we're, we're doing that. Go to her story. I'm telling you, they look great. AJ and Margot looked Their dresses, yeah. I still don't know what the event was for, but they look fantastic. What's the last time you wore a dress, Pipko? <laughs> you, I mean, you were, you're in flannel shirts and uh, and and uh, you know, like halter tops. Every time I see, I'm you. like I'm like a like a frat boy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a little bit like that. You don't like wearing that type of stuff. I don't. You know, I tell Danielle all the time. You put a pretty girl, woman, like my wife, in a pair of sweatpants and a t-shirt, and I find that so much more attractive than people who are like dialed up with ballroom gowns and stuff. I just find it to be. I think that it makes people, girls look old every time. Yeah, I can't handle it. You don't do that, do you? No, I Did just... you wear one to your wedding? <laughs> I wore No, you time. laugh, but like today, like I see a lot of people getting married on the beach. They wear sneakers. Oh, no, no. See, that I can't do. No, yeah, no, a wedding is a wedding. I tried very hard. My mom actually took the dress in behind my back without telling me and made it even smaller. Really? So I would be as skinny and as perfect as possible. <laughs> yeah. I went to uh, a wedding uh, for the first time. I saw this, I should say. It was in Montauk years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a good friend of my wife. And her daughter got married. And the, the, the grooms, you know, the, the, ma- the male bridal party, they're all wearing beautiful suits. And they're wearing white sneakers. Yep, I've seen it. And they looked like a bunch of douchebags. And I got killed for pointing that out. Danielle's like, no, that's what they do today. Who cares what they do today? can't wear a pair of white sneakers with a dark suit, can you? You can't wear any sneakers with a suit. Yeah, looks, thank you very much. It looks much. ridiculous. That is what they do today, thank you. but I can't. So I ESPN, can't on TV, for example, all these guys on TV, ESPN, you've seen this, Lou, they wear suits and they wear sneakers. All of them, all the news. But, but what, what do you, in an effort to dress it down, why do they do that? Because it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, but they're going to try, if they can get away with it, they'll get away with it. They'll yeah, just I guess. do it like, hey, I don't have to put shoes on. Woo! Yeah. Hey, Nolan, you ever wear a, uh, this is our traffic guy, Nolan. you ever wear a, uh, a nice suit with a pair of sneakers? No, but when I was on TV, I used to wear sweatpants on the bottom because I was behind a desk all the time and no one would see me. That's awesome. So, That's how you so do it. I yeah. Would wear, yeah, I'd wear a shirt, tie, look nice from the waist up. That's hilarious. I'd have on Seton Hall uh, sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. Sweatpants. Well, you took it a step further than Jeffrey Tubin. He had nothing on underneath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd wear shorts in the summertime. I used to do that all the time. And too. this is what? Channel 7? Seven? 7, yeah. Uh, you and Bill Evans. Yeah. And, uh, Eyewitness News this morning. How many years were you years. on that show? 24 years. You were on Channel 7 for 24 years? Yep. Wow, that's a heck of a run. Yeah, it was Who were the anchors on that early morning show? Oh, a lot of them. But at the end, it was, uh, I guess the one who was the longest was Ken Rosato and Lord. I Spence. know. That poor bastard, they still screwed him, right? He never got back. Yeah, they, they screwed him. Jeez. And then, uh, and then Lori Stokes was the female anchor. Oh, for right. The long, longest period. And she's at, at Fox 5 now. She was. Right? She retired. She's done. She was, because she was with Rosanna Scotto. Yeah. Then they put her on at night, and yeah. now she just retired? Yep. Uh, she's a nice lady. Really nice. Yeah. Classy, classy, yeah. classy, nice lady. Yeah, I agree. All right, Joe. Well, this is your last traffic update of the week. You were tremendous again this week. So Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. All both days of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're right. <laughs> Northbound as you come across the Whitestone Bridge getting over to the Bronx. 
Uh, there is some construction up there. The right lane out of service, so that's slowing everybody down. 280, also some uh, delays at exit 6, the off-ramp there. Construction, we also have trouble on the westbound side of 78 in the local lanes. A vehicle looking uh, apparently off the roadway went into a tree or something, so they're still in the process of getting that out of the way. Northbound Garden State Parkway 150, a crash. That's off on the shoulder, and still... New Jersey Transit Trains, Northeast Corridor, North Jersey Coastline. Again, rail service suspended in both directions. Amtrak overhead wire problems. That would be by Rawway and alternate side of the street parking in effect today. This traffic report sponsored by Ray Cantina Porsche in Edison. Experience the unmistakable luxury of the 2023 Porsche Macan. Lease for $8.99 a month, 39 months at Ray Cantina Porsche in Edison. $8.99 do it signing, qualified buyers, tax licensing, registration fees, extra details at RayCatinaPorsche.com. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic Talk Radio 77 WABC. We've had a great show. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Arthur Idala, Mike Rendino, Noam Layden, Joseph Tacopina, Vito Posella, Liz Pipko, and Mike Crew. I'm going to do something now that I haven't done in a long, long time. And the reason for it, because it's a horrible segment. Horrible. But we we'll do it anyway. We haven't taken calls on this show in ages. Uh, Lou hates it. Uh, no, I know who really hates it. one 800 wabc 1-800-848-9222. But here's how it goes. This is still below be, my pay grade. It's the be call scary. screener is Justin Ellick. Oh. So when he picks up the phone, you must address him by saying, no, Good no. morning, douchebag. <laughs> 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Linda Carlisle, we got the beat. Johnny Tobacco, he's got a nice show, great show on uh, Newsmax. Wise guys, he goes, man, wow, Sid, you did it again. Vito has been asked about secession many, many times. He's always punted. You got him to admit he's thinking about it. Him saying news on secession coming shortly will probably be big news. Well, thank you, Johnny Tobacco. I thought that was that was pretty cool too. Then I asked him for the timeline, and he said a couple of weeks. So. All right, let's do this. Uh, let me see. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn, on line four. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, Sid. I haven't seen you since the pink tie affair out in Long Island a couple of years ago, and I just wanted to tell you thank you for all you do for us in the military. The the motto change nothing, Sid. Oh, you, this the is my friend my Jim. Jim, you, 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 you served us in Vietnam. Yes, I remember you. You served in Vietnam. You used to call me and Bernie often. It's good to hear from you again. I'm sorry. Thank you. Hey, listen, change nothing. I mean, you hit a home run every day. I try never to miss a minute. Thank you. And uh, so Thank honored you. to get through. It's nice to speak with you. 
And one of these days, I'll pass, of course, again. Oh, All thank right? you, God Jim. Bless God bless you. you. Well. Thank Hope you. you and your family. Thank you. Thank you for your service, Jim. It's always great to hear from you. Here is a Miriam. She's in Forest Hill. She's in Queens like me. Uh, line five. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning. You wishes come true. You missed my son, Justin, and my grandchildren, the graves and uh, graves uh, that move. Yes. I'm so nervous talking. No, don't be and nervous. And you wish me happy birthday on, on my text. My friend was text. Uh, I'll be 80 on Monday. Oh, my God, yes. I know. Wait, hold on a second. I always wanted you to meet my son. You think alike. You're so alike. And maybe my husband was your teacher at Kingsborough. Wait a second. So I had the red carpet premiere for Gravesend Thursday night. And I see the, the, a young girl, adorable, young boy, cute, and, and a man. And she walks over and goes, my grandmother loves you. And I called you on video. This is you? You're Miriam? I'm Miriam. <laughs> you have no idea what my son gave up to be with you. My rabbi's last day, Curtis knows a rabbi, uh, at the center, and he gave up it so he could meet you because I told him he had to meet you. I love you, Kadid. You make me so proud being – and by the way, I sent you the uh, – gave the trees in, yes. in honor of his – Oh, this is you. Oh, God. Hey, it's great to talk to Miriam. Thank you for calling, and God bless you. What I actually called her from the, uh, from the event. So. That's amazing. That is pretty cool, right? Yeah. Nice you're not, fans su- you're not surprised. No, I'm not. You you knew from day one when we met uh, almost four years ago that I was special. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. She definitely knew that part. <laughs> you didn't say no. Here is <laughs> here's uh, Maureen, uh, Plainview, New York, out on Long Island. She's on line eight. Good morning, Maureen. Good morning, Sid. How are you? How are you? Thanks for all your patriotism every day and starting our days with how a lot of us New Yorkers feel. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Now I'm glad I went to the phones. See that? We took three calls, and they're all big uh, sit bands. So I worked out well. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you, sweetheart. If one criticizes you, that'll be it. Oh, we'll never take phone calls again. (laughs) See, that's the thing about me is we could take 50 nice phone calls, and then one person says something I don't like, and it's over. Really? That's it. Yeah. Oh, no. You're like, that, there's like a, a, a fan page that my friend Keith Smolin created. Uh-huh. It's initially for me and Bernard, you know. But most people like Bernie more than me. Not necessarily on the air as a talent, but as a person. <laughs> and so when Bernard passed away, God rest his soul, they spent months and months bitching about him being gone and me being on the air. Now we just got Sid. Now what Yeah, are what are we going to do? <laughs> right. Oh, no. Now Bernie all of them it. have come to the realization, of course, that I'm the best, <laughs> and they all love this show. All of them, except for 150 that splintered off, started their own site called Sid's a Moron. Swear to God. Um, so I, I would got, go. I got to check that out. Yeah, one. you got to check this out. <laughs> so I go on the page, and they'll be like, Sid's the best, Sid's the best. You know, I miss Bernie, but Sid's great. Sid's the best. I didn't realize how great Sid was, but... And one guy goes, ah, I think he sucks. And I go nuts. Really? Yeah. yeah. And oh, that's no, who he answers, that. too. And that's who he answers. He'll, oh, you he'll respond? Get, he'll get into an argument sometimes. Well, don't tell her I do that. Oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah, respond. No, well, no, I, no, I, no, I don't. No. I, well, I, I, only once in a while Not I do all that. The time. Not all no, the time. No, you got to do what I do. I just send a heart. And they don't know what to do with themselves, and that's it. Yes, of course. You, you kill them with smile. the kindness. Yes. yes. Or yeah. sarcasm, whatever you want. Well, where do you get nasty mes- messages? <laughs> Everywhere. You do? Oh, yeah. On uh, Facebook and on... No, for what, Mostly though? social media. Sometimes they find my address, those people. But, but are really why are nice. they sending you nasty stuff? Like, for example, you're on this show once or twice a month because you become great friends, and you're very smart, and I love you on the air. And plus, you know, we've got a pipeline of buddies down in Florida. But you, you're very careful. You're very smart and very careful about how you discuss certain topics. 
So I'm not sure. You don't come more polarizing here. Yeah. So where is it that you're pissing people off? I mean, I've gotten better, but as you know, everyone's always going to be pissed off about something. No, it's that's like true. you're too left, you're too right, you're too ugly, you're too pretty. It's it's horrible yeah. every single day. Well, you but you're pretty, so take it. people take bother it. you for that. Obviously, they that, bother me for lots of things. They do. Well, they're jealous. So is that just <laughs> jealousy? So that's all it is. Yeah, There's same thing no, with me. I'll I mean, all it. these losers. Oh, you got some more on that calls, uh, Frank Morano. Could you imagine somebody waking up at like four fifty in the morning just to call me a <laughs> moron? I mean, could you ever be with somebody like that? No. What a not. loser. You could just imagine some fat, stupid bastard with 70 porn playing in the background and old Chinese food on the floor. Who would do something like that? 4.55 every morning, Sid's Jeez. a moron. It's a real person. Yeah, you got to respect the effort. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's some commitment. No, I take it I take it like like Trump. You know, Trump. Oh, yeah. No, you're a you star. Are, exactly. Yeah, no, they wouldn't do it otherwise. Of course. Yeah. They're your biggest fan. I know that. Yeah, I've, I've never enjoyed being called a, a douchebag so many times in a row. Well, how'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> How's that going so far? They really doing it yeah every one of them like uh i would say well the ones who weren't calling for the for the uh belinda carlisle tickets right we're calling to call, just well, listen, call i remember when errol lewis errol lewis is a political uh i guess commentator he's on new york one locally but he's on cnn also you know who he is right mm -hmm, Liz, yeah. black guy and uh, nothing you have to say that but you have to say that so he um <laughs> he and i have been having this war for years and he actually put stuff on twitter some of the stuff I used to say on IMIS, which was offensive, I admit it. Yeah. I wrote it in my books. I wish I could take it back. I can't. Um, but I said it. It was what it was 23 years ago. So we fight today, and he brings up my set, stuff I said on the air 23 years ago. He's a scumbag is what he is. Errol Lewis. Um, what, what did I bring up? Oh, I'll tell you why. So I go on the air and I go, fans. yeah, exactly. Very good, Lewis. Very good. So I'm, I'm sitting here. I might as well listen. You're so good. So I go on the air and I go, I got this army of people. Like I tell people all the time, Liz, that go on TV, you can go on a Today show. You can go on any one of these. Doesn't matter. This is the place. Yeah. If you're invited on this show, this show, sitting friends in the morning, you've made it. More people will hear you talk about you than today's show, than, uh, what's the W show on Channel 7? Uh, good morning, America. Good morning, oh, America. Course, yeah. I have an army of people here who right. love me. Yeah. And I told them, go on Twitter and go after Errol Lewis and tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet. And it was true. I my, believe it. Yeah. yeah. My army showed up big. That's Did good. Did you tweet out something nasty to Errol? No. I don't, no. I don't tweet ever. <laughs> really? Even from me, you wouldn't do it? I'm just, I'm not big on... You don't do any social media like that. I mean, I'll post a picture here and there, but I think people that want to share their opinion online are a little too obsessed with themselves. Well, you're talking about Twitter or Facebook? Everything. Everything, okay. Yeah. What was the last thing you posted online? I mean, I'll post photos, like Instagram's okay. Well, yeah, well, like like your magazine photos. Yeah, or, but yeah. I, I've rarely put an opinion on If someone's asking to hear my opinion on radio or TV, like, I've made it. But if you're just putting it out there because right. you want to, you need to... So you've, it, you've admitted else. on television that you, you're a fan of Donald Trump's, for example. <laughs> I've admitted it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to win, right? We'll find out, yeah. What, what, in, your, in your heart of hearts, and obviously he's going to win the primary. In yeah. your heart of hearts, mm -hmm. will Donald Trump be president again in 2024? I believe that he will. You, yes. you do believe that? Well, and January I have to tell you 25. that, and you've been, right, that's what he argue with it then. Uh, you have been on the money. Scary accurate. Yes, right? mm -hmm. scary accurate. Yeah. In fact, one or two of my guests this morning sounded a lot like you. Yeah, your guests with, like, actual law degrees that I don't have right. yet. Correct, yeah. and almost said what you said months ago verbatim. That'll happen. And you do think in your heart of hearts that January 2025 will be the president again. I do. 
All right. We'll take a short break, come back, and wrap up another great week. Sitting friends in the morning. Come on. Seventy-seven WABC. I got a new New York Post ad running Monday. Sid and friends, I love. Uh, thank you, John Katzmatidis. I love you, Johnny. I love you. He runs this great ad and he puts sixteen faces in there. And well, congratulations, Liz Pipko. You're going to be in there on Monday, making your debut in the New York Post. We're also going to throw Monica Crowley in there and uh, Nancy Mace and. Carrie Lake and a few people had to go, and well, you look to figure that out for yourself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you excited? I'm very excited. Yeah, yes. you, you gave um, a man a headshot. I'm about to. Yeah, I want to see who I'm replacing. That's what I'll, I'm t- I'll tell you. About. I'll tell you after the show. Yeah, it's <laughs> very embarrassing for those people. Uh-uh. <laughs> There's a few candidates. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I almost took just that. I was like, "Who's this?" What? Oh my God, it's Justin. Oh, oh, yes. uh, not because I don't love him. I just didn't know who it was. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday, a uh, heavenly birthday, if you will, in heaven. 58th birthday to my dear friend Charlie Marino's sister. She passed away this year. Loretta Ortiz. Happy heavenly 58th birthday, Loretta. I know you love me. And I love you, too. Great show today, boys. Great guests. Great week. Short week, of course. We were up Monday and Tuesday. It was only a three-day work week. We'll give you five big shows coming up next week. So, from my whole crew, the great Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, and Elizabeth Pipko, have yourselves a great weekend. God willing, as my man Gene would say, we'll be back at 6 o'clock on a Monday morning. Until then, everybody, peace! an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.